Oh, okay. 
I have told her how we mixed up Harmony style Double law Both expressions Barrel talk Let me try to understand Let me try Let me try that My life is all I have My rhymes, my pen, my head And I done made it through the struggle Don't judge me What you say now Won't judge me It's where I come from so often, people you grew up with are laying in a coffin, but I'd have made it through the pain and strife, it's my time now, my world, my life, my life. It's based on life, loading guns, telling my lawyers to get the case gone. I need the bills that the president's got their face on, so I can switch my residence, get a truck in the left. Check. I no longer have to wait for him. I made a couple ends, lost a couple friends. I light a because never will the struggle end. So you can judge him, but you ain't got it. You ain't in the road, so you really can't budge it. You ought to love it for the fact that it's my world and my life. But still, I'm a rugged. They say you bugging it, because I'm a thugger. You talking bulls, then kick it with another. I got a bigger bed, and I need a cover, and I ain't got friends. I got enemies, so if they with me, then that means they my brothers. My life is all I have. My rhymes, my pen, my head. And I done made it through the struggle, don't judge me. What you say now, won't watch me. Look where I come from, so often. People you grew up with are laying in a coffin. But I done made it through the pain and strife. It's my time now, my world, my life, my life. To the head, prayer for the dead, run around hustling, scared of the feds. They said death is eternal sleep, but the only thing is you ain't really sure if you prepare for the bed. So often we get burst in the head instead of big money. They got big mama hurting instead. My life is making the burst, but the handcuffs, the bullpens, the jail cells is making it worse. Tell mommy I don't go to the church. Tell Ock I don't go to the mob. I blow whole guns and I'ma be right there when the soldiers are marched. Play my part and my heart seems colder than Mars. But on the flip side of things, it's still warmer than June. I have talks with the Lord and he'll be calling me soon. What? And my life is all I have. My family, my my flow, my path. What? My life is all I have. My rhymes, my pen, my head. And I'd have made it through the struggle, don't judge me. What you say now won't budge me. Cause where I come from, so often, people you grew up with are laying in a coffin. But I'd have made it through the pain and strife. It's my time now, my world, my life, my life. My life is all I have. My rhymes, my pen, my head. And I'd have made it through the struggle, don't judge me. What you say now won't budge me. Cause where I come from. So often, people you grew up with are laying in a coffin. But I'd have made it through the pain and strife. My time now, my world, my life, my life. Praise now, Turner. Glory to Garvey. Long live the spirit of Dr. Khaled Abdul Muhammad. Praise Harriet Tubman. Glory to Ida B. Wells. Long live the spirit of Sister Fanny Lou Hamer. Black Power. BB 48. My heart holds tough. What it do, what it do, what it do. Out there tonight, family, broke the feet on the ground. Radio, FOGs, refugees. 
We're doing it up right nice tonight. Think Tank Thursday. We're going to come get it in. We got our sister Camille going to come on in and drive this bus for us. You know what I mean? We're going to be dealing with uh, holidays, the holidays that these uh, Europeans have put upon us. You know what I mean? You know, we got a uh, popular one coming up on us. People trying to make us celebrate every chance they get. You know what I mean? Um, and come up with all type of reasons why we should put our energy into this thing. But I'm keeping my energy out right now. Um, but yeah, that's what we're gonna get into tonight, family. We're gonna we're gonna definitely do the do the right thing. We're gonna do the right thing for the family out there. Let me get my talk show open. Get that thing going. Bomb big this up large. Get my get my thing open right for the family. Yeah, I'm ready to get busy. Uh, it's going slow, it's working slow, it's working slow, part of self family is working slow, it's working slow, but we're going to work it out, we're going to get this thing right, we see who out there in the community, see who out in our audience, you know what I mean, uh, here we go, here we go, here we go, now we got this thing going, now it's gone, now it's gone, it's starting to make its move, it's starting to make its move, all right, all right, Ah. Uh, I gotta, I gotta somehow fix this too. I just remember, I just remember the shit that I'm doing just not going to work up here. After you, don't have to use this. Okay, okay, family, I got you. I got y'all out there now. Bang. Bang, bang, bang. I got y'all out there. And, you know, your brother born, you know, only one being shooting through on Thursday. You know, brother born trying to take one day off off the week, man. You know, I got a hard grind out here on a hard grind. You know what I'm saying? So we wait for the family to shoot on in. I see the suiting out there in the cut. You know what I'm saying? I know he on his grind right now. So he's just able to shoot in. You know what I'm saying? And come, come, you know, just come tune in real quick with the family. So, you know, we want to send that black power and, and salute out to the brother for, for just coming in when he can on that grind. Um, other brother, brother Little, been on the, on the hard work grind, 12, 13-hour shift, you know what I'm saying? So he's been hard-pressed to get in, but he wanted to make sure the family know that he, you know what I mean, he out there, but he's just on a hard grind also, you know. It's, it's like that. If you ain't working, you ain't working. So that's what goes on out here. I mean, we out here getting our action into place. But, um, Besides that, we wanted to deal with some Shaka Moose and Barashango. I'm looking for my Barashango right now. I'm looking for my Barashango. Can't find my Barashango. Um, misplaced my Barashango some way, somehow. Misplaced my Barashango. But I think I might just play this little piece for Barashango, little 15, 20-minute clip. So you just get an understanding of, um, you know, uh, uh, today's topic, dealing with these uh, holidays that, uh, that the Caucasian puts upon us. Um, one of them, such as Columbus Day, just passed. Um, we got we got we got some short history on on Columbus. You know what I'm saying? We got little little stories on them here and there. October on October 12, 1492, they say that's when he hit the Caribbean islands. You know what I mean? But um, we got little little excerpts from his own uh, diary. Um. So, you 
you know, we just we gonna just put in a couple of things though, man. Uh and just so the people will be clear on why you should not give your energy to your enemies, folklore's more rage and holidays. You know what I mean? Um and you know I got should African people celebrate Columbus Day research and written by Doctor Jack Felder. And Doctor Jack definitely put that work in on this thing right here. Nice little short pamphlet, but um, definitely worthwhile, putting in some good information on um, Columbus. So, uh, but before we do that, like I said, I'm going to hit the Shaka Musa Barisango, but again, Black Power, Black Power, uh, BB-48. Um, Let see here, let's see, let's see, let's see, let's get this thing right, let's get this thing right, rocking and rolling. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go. But um, our brother, uh, let me see. Come on, come on, come on. Open up. Let me get my get my YouTube open. Get my YouTube open and get on over here to this thing real quick. Uh, man, get my Shaka Musa Barashango. That's right, the Ashango European holidays. That's where we going with it. So we're gonna pull the brother, you know what I mean? Uh, let him hit you with a couple jewels real quick. If you want, if you want to know how to spell his name, is it's Ashaka Musa, I S H A K A M U S A Barashango B A R A S H A. N-G-O, Sakamusa Barashango. And uh, on YouTube, you can find two volumes of his European uh, holidays breakdown. Um, and like I said, they're both uh, excellent, excellent, excellent diatribes. Let me, let, let's see here. Let's see here. Let me, let me take this down some. Take this down some of me. Uh, I'm gonna give you the opening. I'm gonna give you the first uh, 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 three, first. Uh, let me see the first two parts. I'll give you of Shaka Musa Barashango, and then I'll, I'll go in a little bit further and let him drop something on you. I really, I'm really thinking about also gathering the Honorable Priest Isaac. Pull up some Honorable Priest Isaac because he definitely uh, put in a couple of things on these folklore. And uh, things of that nature. But we're going to hit a little clip from Dr. Saka Musa Barastango. Um, get my stuff, get my things right, though. Let me see here. Let me see. Let me see. Yeah, that brother goes in, too, Brother Born. Yeah, uh, excellent, excellent resources. He has books out. Um, oh, man, he has several, several books out. Um, and the books are feature books where you you know you're gonna go and you're gonna get that information immediately. Immediately. Mm-hmm. You're not gonna take Wait. you all over the 
place. He's going to put you directly. He's going to put you right on it. And so I right. say, your brother born, he, he in here just, uh, you know, just trying to do my work, man. Just trying to put this work in, man, you know. Family, I'm, you know, it might be about a two-hour show tonight. Your brother just there. You know, your brother got a lot of things going on, so I don't mean to uh, hit and miss, but we'll see how this thing shape up. I just want to say, brother, we play that, that um, it's important for us to understand, um, you know, the elders' position on breaking down uh, holidays is it's, it's really a, a culture, you're promoting a certain culture and you're, certain, you're supporting a certain uh, historical context for that culture. So when we say Columbus Day, you know, what is this, you know, what is this What is this day symbolic to the, a particular culture? What happened during that history that influenced or affected that culture? And the elder going to go right in and explain that. So a lot of times we shouldn't be quick to give energy to holidays that we really don't know no, no history of or we really have no knowledge of. In fact, we're just giving energy out of ignorance, you know, celebrating for the sake of celebration and without knowledge of what you're celebrating you could be actually celebrating your downfall or and if your enslavement. So I think that's very important, um, you know, to contextualize what you're going to play, um, why, you know, why the theme, you know, what is holidays, how are holidays uh, produced, who supports them, why are they being supported, why do they get on calendars, you see what I'm saying, uh, uh, what criteria has to be met to produce a holiday, you see what I'm saying. So I just want to put that out there, brother. Uh, sir. Uh, thank you very much for that, brother Menkaran. Mm-hmm. Uh, man. Um, so with, with that being said, family, we're gonna we're gonna jump into this let, and let the good times roll and see how far along we get. You know, we're gonna let rock a little bit. Like I said, I got a couple pieces. We're gonna let play real quick, and then we're gonna see where we can go to, and then we'll move back. Qualified to reward all research, and so it is. 
When you get into the history of something, then you have a better understanding of what it is, what it was created for, what are its purposes and objectives. So that's why we're approaching it from the perspective of an African-centered historical reality. African-centered because there is, has been, and we are still being subjected to a Eurocentric worldview. And there's still a great and wondrous struggle going on to break the bonds of that worldview. And so now we must do things from what we are, and we are an African people. I know I don't have to explain that to anybody in here tonight. And that's how you see things, how you look at things, from your experience. We have several premises I would like to discuss with you before we get into the historical elements of the topic tonight. The first premise is holidays are the institutionalized celebration of the thoughts and ideas of a particular philosophical worldview. What does that mean in essence? Not that you really need an explanation of it, but I always have to explain sometimes even what I say to myself. The institutionalization of our own thoughts and ideas and our own creations, part of the process of doing that and helping to keep those thoughts and ideas alive and nurturing us and motivating us in our everyday existence and our everyday struggle and fight for total mental, physical, and spiritual liberation from this beast here, from this hostile environment. As a part of that process, celebrations play a very definite role. Holidays are important to us, but in those holidays, if they do not reflect our life experience, if they do not reflect the positive aspects of our worldview, of how we see the world, of how we understand the things around us, then we have to ask the question, what good are those holidays to us? Should we be celebrating them or should we be celebrating something else? Let me stop here for a minute to discuss something that Dr. Sheikh Atatiyah set forth. And that is the idea, it has always been known to us who have been aware and thinking people and in the process of of continued uh, evolutionary path of enlightenment that there was a quantitative and qualitative difference between the way that we as a people look at the world and the way Europeans look at the world. Brother Malcolm stated it so beautifully and straightforward. See, when you sit down to the table with the white man to discuss an issue, to discuss an idea, you're not speaking the same language. It was difficult for some of the Negro leaders of that day to understand what he was talking about because they knew they were saying the same word. They were discussing the Constitution. They were discussing the Bill of Rights. They were discussing the Declaration of Independence and all those things. The white man was using the very same words that the black people were using. However, they were not speaking the same language simply because they had a diametrically opposed worldview. 
puts it in these words. It's the difference between xenophobia and xenophilia. And that is, the European has a fear of anything different of other people and cultures that are different from him. And therefore, he must control them in some manner or eradicate them. Like the child who has never grown up, you stop running around here. Uh, here's black men, uh, big, shopping, Nubian-looking black men that can snatch telephone poles up out the ground talking about, I got to go to work for the man. He's not the man. You the man. He never grew up. And why do I say that? How can I say that? I can say it because Jerusalem Slim, who you call Jesus Christ, we call him Brother Jerusalem Slim in the seminary, said that it is by the fruit of a tree that you know what that tree is. What he produces is what you know what that tree is. And the very fact that when people do not do what he wants them to do, he acts just like a little child, like the demon seed. Either you do it or I'll hurt you. Or I'll take my marbles and get out of the game. Most of the time I wish he would just take his marbles and go on by his business. <laughs> but he's not satisfied with doing that. He's got to come back and try to control the game again. He's perfectly all right with me because I know left on our own, we really, when we have nothing else to do, but on our own, we can do it. And we'll do it fast. We won't drag it out then. But this xenophobia, this fear, is the motivating factor, as Dr. Francis Wilson tells us in the book, The ISIS Paper Keys to the Color, is the major motivating factor of white folks. Now, I'm going to come to the holidays, but I've got to lay this groundwork here. I hope you all can be patient with it. One of the reasons is because I have to constantly be defending myself with black folks because I discuss the historical realities of the Europeans. And I'm going to stop doing that. Black folks wouldn't even come out to see me a lot of times until I let some white folks come in. That's why I was so glad to get here. <laughs> one of the few places in the world where I can go where I am totally in an African environment, and you don't want nothing else here but Africa. <laughs> now, African people, in their natural state of being, and most people of color tend to have a xenophilic approach to life. That is a love of other people, an embracing of other cultures, a sharing of culture. So you have these two different things. So now, when you celebrate European holidays, whose major motivation is the fear of his genetic annihilation, his phobia of other human beings, what type of celebrations do he have? Those celebrations that are built around that worldview, which is essentially xenophobic. When you celebrate that, you are celebrating something opposed to your very nature because you are by nature in your natural state, and I'm saying natural state now. A lot of them got out of natural state. We didn't read the Holy Ghost, as Jesus talked about. If you know what that means, those who understand, let them understand what has been said. And when you are in your natural state, your idea and purposes for a celebration is different. So I wanted to uh, deal with that first premise. You still with me? You all right? The second premise, the celebration of holidays.
establishes and helps to maintain a strong emotional and cultural bond between you and that which you are celebrating. A strong emotional and cultural bond between you and that which you are celebrating. Anything that you jump up and down and sing about and dance about long enough becomes very much a part of your being and you feel something for that because it brought you joy at the time that you were doing it. So you have an emotional and a cultural bond and connection with it. The question arises, when we celebrate European holidays, what are we binding ourselves to? It's another question on that third on that second premise. The third and final premise here. Holidays are very common and natural to human beings. And you should have time to celebrate. I'm involved in the African liberation struggle until I am taken home to my ancestors. Unless I should lose my mind, and when I do that, somebody please put me out of my misery. Because if Ishaka Musa is no longer involved in the liberation movement, then you know he has gone plumb crazy. And he needs to be taken and worked with and to bring all the African-centered uh, behavioral scientists to try to heal me and lock me up till I get straightened out. As long as I'm in my right mind, I'm committed to the African liberation struggle. However, I do not view it as a struggle. It's that it's the African liberation movement. Because many times when brothers and sisters get to talk about we involved in the struggle, they make it hard for themselves and anybody else who may be interested in it. It is a happy thing that we do, those who are participating in it. We chose that this is the road we would go rather than be manipulated and controlled by something or someone else. Now, that's a happy choice. That's a choice a lot of people don't even know they have. So now the fact that you made that choice, you must be a happy warrior. It must be a joyful task. You fight better when you're happy. Even if you, when it comes to the point where you have to take an enemy's head off, do it with a smile. And by all means, when you talking to your brothers and sisters, always talk up. Always speak hope. Always speak joy. Always speak the fulfillment of the promise that has been given to our mothers and our fathers ever since the days that we were brought off the slave ships here. They knew from generation to generation that this day would come. So talk in them terms. I have been in my household. When I ask my children what happened, they have to respond on demand. Say, so what's happening? Black folk on the ride. Don't tell me I don't know. Some stuff like that. And when they forget, I keep asking the questions that I get to answer them They get tired of it, but at least it's a part of the right programming process, <laughs> conditioning process. So it's natural for us to be happy and to celebrate. We started out by celebrating the harvest on our own land when we created the science of agriculture, the success of the hunt, uh, the rituals and celebrations of the rites of passage. All these things are good reasons for celebration. For us, we have a lot to celebrate in that we were able to survive this beast all this time in this hostile environment and still come out with some degree of sanity. I said some degree because, as Dr. Ben says, we are all crazy to some extent, having been here and survived under these conditions. But we're still able to function. And all 
also we celebrate it so often, victory over an enemy. But never in the history of the world have I ever heard of a people celebrating the victory of their enemies over them. Do you get my point here? They may remember that, but they will not celebrate it. The only people I know now presently in the world is the Negro and other people who are mentally subjugated by white supremacist uh, 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 culture around the world that celebrates their enemies' defeat of them. So when we study European holidays, we have to ask, whose victory are we celebrating? All right, I hope y'all don't get angry with me in here. I don't mean to be a killjoy, but I just have to deal with history, the story, our story, as it is. Now, I'm going to attempt to, and you'll have to let me know when my time is coming up, because uh, I just documented I ain't got time. Watch, watch. That's the move with the spirit. And in the spirit world, we don't know nothing about no time to get in there. But I know y'all got things to do in that thing, so you have to let me know when I get there, all right? I'm just going on now. We're going to try to deal with five European holidays from historical perspective on them. And that is, who discovered Columbus? Because he sure didn't discover me. one is Halloween, and I forgot which sister, who was the sister on the radio program, Dr. Felder, with us that day at WLIB, that came up with that, the, the, the Night of the Living Dead. <laughs> Misgiving, a celebration of horrors, Xmas, the Merry Mess, and even if I don't get to some of the others, I'm going to talk about America's Independence Day, the 4th of July, I'm going to get to that one if I don't get to nothing. Y'all pray for me now. Y'all send out good vibrations so I can In order to deal with this who discovered Columbus, and I'm, I'm, I'm starting out with the Columbus Day thing because that's how they begin the whole holiday season here in this country. That opens the whole thing up. And the reason why I'm putting a lot of emphasis on that this evening is because all this year here in 1992, they're going to be talking about the quincentennial of the coming of Columbus. And they will be bombarding our children's minds with this, intimidating them with this. And their peers will be looking at them and saying, why are you not into this? And we have to give them a strong, sound, historical basis and logical basis upon which to say, I just ain't with that. That ain't down. That ain't happening for me. I dish that. And this is the reason why I recommend that. I didn't come here to tell you what to do or to make any choices for you, only to show you the other side of the coin. Some of you have already seen that side of the coin, but it ain't going to hurt us to look at it again. At that time period, talking about 1492, now we must accept hear briefly what was going on in the world then. Contrary to what we have been miseducated to believe, the world was not waiting for white folks to come and bring them Christianity, civilization, or any other thing. They didn't 
nothing they could bring us but misery, as history has shown. Why do I say that? First of all, I have to go back about 700 years or so before 1492, if y'all don't mind. Talk about one of the great periods of the many wonderful periods of our history on this planet. And that's when the Moors, left from the motherland, went over and on the island which later became known as Gibraltar, under Gibraltarik, and from their base of operations and their fort there on the rock of Hercules, between the pillars of Hercules, as they call it, they moved now into Spain. They were 80% indigenous, jet black, broad-nosed, thick-lipped, kinky-haired Africans. That is what the documents of history say, not what I say. This is empirical evidence we're talking about here. 20% so-called Semitic Arabs who joined in. The Semitic Arabs or Muslims had nothing to bring to the Muslims on the motherland. When they left out of Arabia when, and, and were traveling around for their conquest, they left with a little more knowledge than how to raise camels. Like how? Shango, giving y'all that opening to our show on European holidays, hella days, as our sister Camille call them, you know, but we're going to get this thing rocking and rolling. Sister Camille, you out there, Black Power, BB48. Black Power, BB48, King, and uh, I really got that from you, King. Well, it's all love. It's all love. Well, you know, I, I wanted to set, the, set it off right, set the tone right for you, you know what I'm saying? So I knew a Chaka Musa Barashango, you know, I let, I let that rock two clips, you know what I'm saying? But I knew his opening to his European holidays uh, um, uh, uh, lecture would be perfect for our show. I'm going to let you ride the bus, you know what I'm saying? Go ahead and drive this thing. I'm going to ride the bus. Uh, I know a couple of our family out there, you miss Brother Mekarai, he got the slide in, he was over there on his work, but he slid in for a couple moments early in the program. That's how. So, well, I think you need to uh, continue to let the brother, uh, the great elder, you know, set the tone because it's we're building off of what he didn't put out here. That's what I, we do. All right, all right, all right. So I'm gonna play this. I'm gonna play the next clip. You know, um, where you want to where you want to set it off at, Sister Camille, because he's gonna jump into Columbus Day. Then he's gonna go right into, uh, I think Halloween and maybe Thanksgiving. He's gonna go into it in like the order of the shit that's coming up right now. Right. Let him go into the Halloween and, and the Thanksgiving, and then I think we can come in on that and you know expound on that. All right. All right. So I'm gonna let him roll. All right. And how to think to have her cheek. It was only after they went in and conquered Egypt that they now come out with this new light and knowledge. This resurrection of the old classics and, and the zero and all that. 
And with the indigenous Africans still living in what came to be misnomered Egypt, then Kemet there, which introduced them and taught them just like they had taught the Greeks, the Romans, and everyone else who had conquered them. For as Asa Hilliard tells us, they conquered us militarily, but we always conquered them culturally and scientifically, for we had the knowledge to do that. Why, even in slavery, they had to depend on the black slaves to teach them how to do things. So even though we were their slaves, we still had to conquer them morally and intellectually. I want you to think about that. They didn't have to teach us how to read and write when we first got here. We already knew how to do that. It was only in next generations where they had taken that from. But we had to come back and learn that again. Most of them who brought us here couldn't read and write. Now, at the time that these Africans went into Spain, not five kings or queens throughout all of Europe in any of their nations could read or write. Not five were literate. And couldn't anybody read the Bible but a few of the priests who could read, and it was chained to the wall so that only they could read it. The common people did not have it. I'm trying to get you these good God-fearing people with these halos around their head that came over here, killed up the indigenous red man and captured us and brought up the light of God and Christianity and Jesus. <laughs> Most of them didn't know it, so how could they teach us anything about it? Now, when the Moors came in, they brought with them the light of knowledge and established the first universities there. They also taught geography from globes. That's a matter of record. They taught from globes, and even after they taught in Spain for some 800 years, the Spanish still believed that the world was flat. The hard people to teach. And if you haven't learned that by now, as the song says, if you don't know it by now, you'll never, never know it. <laughs> Why am I going through all this? Because the African has been sailing ships up and down the Nile, up and down the Nile. Well. Bring me for me real quick, so I got to do a bunch of them. For thousands uh, of years, navigational science was a way of life to him. That kind of knowledge did not exist in Europe before the Africans, before the Moors went and took it. I'm sorry we did it, but it happened. Now, in 1310, Mansa Muhammad Abu Bakr II out over the Ethiopian Sea. It wasn't called the Atlantic Ocean. It was the Ethiopian Sea. How do I know that? Because I looked at the maps of the, of the 15th and the 16th century. <laughs> and others have looked at it. He looked out over the sea. He said, if we can navigate the Niger, he would see uh, emperor of the Mali Empire at that time, he said if we can navigate the Sahara Desert, we can deal with that Ethiopian sea out there. So he went to work building. He went to work building with a knowledge which had been preserved by 
by the University of San Corre at Timbuktu and other university systems right there in the motherland. And he sent out 200 ships, 100 with crews of Africans, and 100 for supplies to carry them for two years if necessary. Now, I mean, if you think you can go on an ocean for two years, you bad stuff. <laughs> you know something. Because the man loved his people. He was responsible for the people. He was a leadership. He wouldn't send them out somewhere, not knowing where he was sending them. And he told them, say, don't stop till you come to land. I know there's land over there because our people have been traveling over there ever since the days of the pharaohs and possibly before. Some time passed by, and only one ship came back. And the ship captain that came back, according to the report given by Abu Bakari's successor, says that his report went thusly. Sire, we traveled, and we followed the wind gust that would take us straight across the Ethiopian Sea. But we reached a place where there was a great churning river and, a, and, and, a, and an awesome mist. And all the other ships went into that mist, and I never saw them again. We somehow got spent out of it and were headed back in this direction, so we came home. So what did Abu Bakari II do? In 1311, I said, 13, what, what year did I say? 1310, now we have 1311. How far is that from 1492? 1311 now, this black man says, hook me up 400 ships. 200 to cast people and 200 to cast flies. <laughs> and I'll see you later. <laughs> he gave him five and got in the wind. <laughs> After conferring the emperorship on Mansa Kong Kong Ganga Musa, he was never heard from on the continent again. But the records of the Aztecs, the Olmecs, and some of the other people there kept recorded that a strange group appeared on their land. Hundreds upon hundreds of black men with gold spears and golden shields and one tall jet black man with gold in his braids and his hair. Golden slippers stood under a golden pavilion and the indigenous bowed down and said, Hail, our God, the coral has returned. That's in 1311. Now, before I get back up to 13, uh, 1492, y'all all right? Okay, I don't, I don't want to bore you with all this stuff. Before I get up to 1492, I got a couple of, couple of more dates. Because it's impossible to talk about Columbus without a whole bunch of other names coming up before you. Of course, we know Cortez, Hernandez, Balboa, and all the rest of them. None of them were noble people. They were not noble men. They were criminals, sea dogs, pirates, and deserve no honor from us. But also there is Prince Henry the Navigator, Bartholomew Diaz, Vasco da Gama, and Jan von Rybeck. 
time at the time now that they were preparing when they were about to drive out. I got to come back to 1492 and then switch back a minute. I'll be coming back and forth, but you, you can hang with me. The last stronghold of the Moors, who had been there for some 800 years, and as Dr. John Henry Clark said, it was one of the few times that Africans had partnerships with other people and they came out all right for a while. The Arabs betrayed us in the end. The Jews we brought into Europe helped to get us out of. The black Jews we brought in undermined us with the Spanish to help the downfall of the last stronghold of the Moorish Empire of the Kingdom of Granada in 1492. The same year that your boy made his travel, got lost. <laughs> when they drove the Moors out of Spain, this is what they declared. We cannot afford to be embarrassed by the superior intelligence of these people any longer. They must not be allowed to get themselves strengthened and come back here again. They will never rise again, and the only way to stop them is to go to the lands from which they emanate and stop them. We couldn't do that before because we did not know how to navigate the sea. We did not know how to build ships. But now that we have run them out of here, we can take the knowledge that they left behind, and we can now go and exploit the world, not explore the world, exploit the world. And in that way, we can continue to ensure our genetics back. And so, in 1444, Prince Henry the Navigator leaves out of Portugal and heads down the west coast of our cable land, commonly known as Africa, because the Portuguese were heading for Africa the Italians and the French and the Germans were still trading with the East, but Spain couldn't get through to the East because they would have had to fight the Germans, the French, and the Italians to do it. They would have had to fight the Portuguese to get to Africa, so Spain said the only place for us to go is West. No place else to go. But we've got to find some land to exploit, or the other nations around us are going to become so strong and so rich, and they will whip us and, and subjugate us to them. These are Europeans talking about fighting among Europeans now. Prince Henry the Navigator comes down to the Congo and takes back, begins immediately, after taking back four of Mother Africa's children, begins to recommend the slave trade from there to bring and import Africans into slavery into Portugal. In 1487 to 1488, Bartholomew Diaz, another Portuguese, rounded the, the Cape of what they call Good Hope in southern Arkebu land, Anzania, because I don't know where South Africa is. I look on the map, I cannot find it. I know where Anzania is. That's what the people who are struggling there for their liberation call it. Then in 1497, Vasco de Gama rounded that cape and found the route they were looking for to India. What it was, these people were going hungry. They were suffering from diseases. They were just being decimated by the plague and everything else. So they were going to other lands to find medicines, to find other things for their own survival. They were not going to carry the light of civilization. They were not going to bring people to Jesus. They were not going for any of those reasons. They were going for economic reasons and strictly survival reasons. That's what it was all about. 
That's why I say when they tell your children in school about the, the great explorers, no, they were exploited. They were not explorers. But here's the kicker. I'm going to be back to 1492 in a minute. In 1652, the Dutch East India Company, which was trading in the slaves, most of its money was made from slave trade of African slaves, sent and a naval surgeon named John von Rybeck, and he established the first white settlement in Anzania known as Cape Town. Now, why am I going through all that? Because African children there who are compelled by the miseducation system, the white supremacist miseducation system of the USA there, the United, uh, 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 the Union of South Africa, same initials as the United States of America, tell these children that they must celebrate the arrival of Vasco da Gama, Bartholomew Diaz, and Jean von Rybeck. And their arrival opened up the door for the destruction of their civilization and the state that they're in now. Now, that is mental and cultural genocide. However, many of us here have no problem seeing that in relationship to Anzania, but we have a problem seeing it in relationship to our experience here in America. And I say, and I hope I can back it up, that to tell our children to celebrate Columbus Day is the same as telling our brothers and sisters on the continent to celebrate the arrival of John von Rybeck. The same equation. Now, why do I say that? Let me give you a little background on Christopher here. Got my notes down here somewhere. Hold on. I'll be with you. I'm not gone. Let's get a little background on him. First of all, his name was Cristobal Colon. He was a Jew. A Jew. His parents were Jews born in Spain who were baptized Jews, Christianized Jews, to survive there in Europe, because the Europeans were running the Jews all over. I mean, they were giving them hell there in Europe. I have to say that. He was a Christianized Jew who was born to a mother and father who was in the weaving business. At the age of 14, he became a sailor, and it settled in Genoa, Italy. Now, in his travels to the west coast of Africa and other ships he had sailed on, he learned about several things. One, he learned about the Moors having taught that the earth was round from the globes they taught geography when they were in Spain and they were still using now and the, at the universities in West Africa. He also purchased a map that was used by the Moorish Sea Kings, who had mapped out the route going across the Ethiopian Sea, coming here to what was later to be Mishnah of the Americas. This was very precious 
You ever read in those comic books about finding a, a map that shows you hidden treasure and people hold it and say, God, that's what he did with that. That's why he could run around saying to the other ignorant ones, uh, the world is round, give me some money and I'll prove it. Well, how you know that? Well, I can't let you know, just give me some money. <laughs> he was selling the information. Economic thing. When he came to, I'm not going to go through the whole story there with him, but when he came to Isabella and Ferdinand to with his plan, they originally had rejected it. But there was one person who came and saved the day for Columbus. And his name was Luis de Santanda, a baptized Jew who was finance minister to Ferdinand. And he said to Isabella, who said, well, now, I don't have that much money. Maybe I can, to finance a venture like this, I can pawn my jewels. You know we heard in school that she pawned her jewels? No, she didn't. He told her, you don't have to do that because I have a cartel of money lenders. Why did he have a cartel of money lenders? Because one of the few businesses that Jews were allowed to engage in in Europe was pawnbroking money lending. And therefore, they developed a mercantile class which gave them outreach and connections and networking with other nations. So by, they had that hoop up that by the time of the Rothschild spread everywhere all over Europe. And they had to finance every war that Europe went into. Now, he goes to his cartel, which consists of Don Isaac Arabanel, Juan Cabrero, and Abraham Senor. All Jews. They raised $98,000 to get the three ships for Columbus to come over here. On his way over here, he has to stop, go down, because you can't come over here unless you went down the west coast of Africa. And one of the reasons why he went to the west coast of Africa is a brother he had met when he was there before that would be most vital to that mission, that lived in Sierra Leone. His name was Pedro Alonso Nina, one of the most celebrated navigators in the world at that time. Put him upon the ship, either the Pinta or the Nina, I don't remember which one now. Santa Maria, thank you. And they now come over, they're on their way over here, but they don't go further enough to the south and the wind can't carry them directly to Brazil, so they're delayed for some time in some arduous journey. The journey is so bad that the crew threatens to mutiny. And they tell him, if we don't see some land soon, we're going to throw your butt off the ship, and we're going back to Spain. Because Cologne said, the king queen told him, he said, man, I can't go back without something. They didn't lend me this money because he made them promise to make him admiral of the sea and that he could get 10% of everything he could steal once he got here. It was an economic venture now, I'm telling you. So now he comes. Uh, 
he's almost, he's not far from land. They're about to commit mutiny. And I understand, I'm told that Pedro Alonso Nina looks off of his ship and he sees floating in the water twig with leaves on it and some blossoms, which is a sure sign that they're not far from land. So he says, hold on, no mutiny yet. We've got to be near land to see something like that. And then a few hours later, they do see land. I'm not proud of it, but the brother saved Christopher Colon's behind right then and there. Now, when he gets here, this is the report he gives to Spain when he returns. He leaves a large portion of his crew here on the island of what was become known as Haiti. I want you to keep that in mind because we're going to come back to that in a minute. You all right? Y'all yeah. so quiet out there. I hope I ain't boring. <laughs> when he gets to bring his report back to Spain, I know I'm hopping around quite a bit, but I'm trying to cover a lot in a few minutes here. And as I read from uh, African People and European Holidays, uh, Mental Genocide, Book 1, page 32, this is a report that Christopher Colon made to his sovereigns in Spain. He's describing the people he encountered here. The people he what? That means the people that were what? Already here. As one comedian said, you can't discover nobody who don't want to be discovered. How are you going to discover something that's already there? He says this, so tractable, so peaceful are these people that I swear to your majesty, there is not in the world a better nation. Do you hear what he's saying? This white man that was supposed to have to come to these savages and stop them from eating up each other and teach them about God and everything and civilize them, he's saying he, ain't, he has never encountered a better nation than what he encountered of these people here. They love their neighbors as themselves. What did he say? I thought we had to wait until the white man come to teach us that. Love your neighbor as yourself. That's a part of the Christian doctrine. Love your neighbor as yourself. These people already had it. Didn't anybody to bring it to them? It was already here. And their discourse is ever sweet and gentle and accompanied with a smile. And though it is true that they are naked, now to Europeans, anybody that wasn't covered from head to toe was naked, because as Francis tell you, they had a problem with their own physical body. African people and people of color like to get that sun, get that rock into them. Women could walk around bare-breasted because they would not be disrespected. Nobody would disrespect. Can do that today because of my mind's been twisted all out of shape. But it was uh, nobody would think to disrespect an African woman in those days. It was unheard of, and it could cost you your life. In some communities today, it can cost you your life. It says that though they are naked, yet their manners are decorous and praiseworthy. Columbus goes on to recommend that these friendly and hospitable people be made to work and sow and do all that is necessary to adopt our ways. Do you think that? Sheer arrogance to adopt our ways. The people were all right the way they were. They didn't need anything from him. After which he displayed the ten Taino Indians he had captured and brought to Spain. Now, on his second voyage back, 
I've got to read something to you. Is that all right? And so some people won't call me a racist in reverse. I'm going to read from a white man this time, okay? <laughs> Will Durant in the Story of Civilization, Volume 6. This is what he wrote about it. When Columbus returned on his second voyage, after uh, he had left this colony of Spaniards there on the island of Haiti, he returns now and... Mercy, hold on again. To this island to see what had happened, what had taken place while he was gone making his report to Spain. This is his second journey now. And it says here that ten months after leaving these people there, that hardly a man remained of the colony, remained of it. The Europeans and this is in Will Durant's language now, had roamed the island, robbing the natives of gold and women. They had established a tropical paradise with five women to each man. They had quarreled and murdered one another, and nearly all the rest had been killed by the outraged Indians. Now the brothers had opened up their arms and said, come on in, there's plenty, you know. We'll share these folks acted so bad, they made the blood bad there, and they started killing them, which was their right to do. They said they should have slain them at the bay in the first place. What? I'm not talking violence. I'm not talking hatred. I'm talking our survival. He goes on to write, he turned back towards Haiti October. He left another colony there now, and he went on to explore some other islands, right? Look for some other islands to explore. Because up until this time, he hadn't found really anything to take home but those ten indigenous uh, 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 there, uh, which they call Indians there. And, and uh, Isabella and Ferdinand said, you better come up with something more than that. Because we got to pay this $98,000 back to them Jews. So you better come up with something. That ain't going to get it. He turned back towards Haiti October 29, 1494, wondering how his new settlement had fared. He was shocked to find that it had behaved like its predecessor, that the Spaniards had raped Native women, stolen Native stores of food, and kidnapped Native boys to serve as slaves, and that the Natives had killed many Spaniards in revenge. Columbus himself now became a slave dealer. Let me read that again. Listen very carefully to this. Written by Will Durant, one of the four, Dr. Will Durant, one of the foremost uh, European historians. In the Story of Civilization, Volume 6, page 265. If you don't have it, go to the library and check it out. Columbus himself now became a slaveholder. He sent out expeditions to capture 1,500 natives. 400 of these he gave to settlers. 500 he dispatched to Spain. 200 of these died on the voyages. The survivors were sold at Seville, but died in a few years unable to adjust themselves to the colder climate or perhaps to the savagery of civilization. <laughs> 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 
brothers here over there, civilization. Civilization. The third settlement that he left here has survived, but one of every four of the 500 Spanish years that he left there in 1496 was suffering from syphilis. And the settlers had divided into two hostile groups that were now on the verge of war. These folks just love war. To appease the discontent, Columbus allowed each man to appropriate a large tract of land and to enslave the natives dwelling on it. This became the rule in Spanish settlements. With him on this voyage in 1498, as he crossed the Ethiopian Sea, he passed Africans on their way back home, carrying cargo. And when he got here, he said, what was that? I thought, he said, oh, them the brothers from over there. They've been coming, the sun people. They've been coming here a long time. They brought us some gold. We gave them some things. They took back, they'd be back later. They do that all the time. With him was one of the most infamous creatures that has ever walked on the face of the earth. Bishop Bartholomew Las Casas. He looked at the situation. He said, these people can't stand up on the hard labor. They make their living enjoying life. They fish, they hunt, they weave, they make rugs and things. They can't stand up under that hard labor. We're going to have to look somewhere else. Say, now the Portuguese have Africans, and they can do the work of ten of these indigos, as they call them. So then he went to the Pope of Rome, the vicar. Can you spot the Lee man? More than two Africans were gathered together here in this hostile environment. The Sahara Desert, we can deal with that Ethiopian sea out there. So he went, nearly all the rest had been killed by the outraged Indians. Now, the brothers that open up their house and say, come on in, there's plenty, you know. We'll share. These folk acted so bad, they made the blood bad. Then they started killing them, which was their right to do. They say they should have slain them at the bay in the first place. What? I'm not talking violence. I'm not talking hatred. I'm talking our survival. He goes on to write... He turned back towards Haiti October. He left another colony there now, and he went on to explore some other islands, right? He looked for some other islands to explore. Because up until this time, he hadn't found really anything to take home but those ten indigenous there, which they called Indians there. And, and uh, Isabella and Ferdinand said, you better come up with something more than that. So we got to pay this $98,000 back to them Jews. So you better come up with something. <laughs> the arrival of a slaver 
a person who dealt in the slave trade, a person who opened the door for the genocide and destruction, not only of the red nations here, but the black nations that were here as well. And then on the heels of that, to capture our ancestors and to bring them here and to subject them to the worst cruelty that has ever been known in the history of the entire world. There is nothing to match this. This is the greatest of all holocausts. Would they tell me somewhere between 150 to 200,000 million lost in the Middle Passage alone, not to mention the suffering wreaked and the destruction on all of the civilizations which were existing there on the continent and the pain and deprivation after we were brought here. So is there that, that one move by Columbus opened the door to the Western Hemisphere for that kind of activity? So what is there to celebrate in that? I hope you don't get angry with me for sharing that with you. I'm going to leave that alone now. we move on to the next holiday. Y'all all right? Yeah. You still with me?
motherfuckers who just got some money to tell a lie big enough to get people to back it. So, you know, another criminal, as usual. And then the, the uh, you know, and then just hitting the points on how savage they was when they came over here, that he leave and come back, that they so savage, that they at war with themselves in a land where it's, everything is there, man, you straight. Just relax. The people is mad at peace. And then they say that now we got to turn them like that. And bring them up to the they was in. Bring them to the filth they was in. And those guys of African warrior, he built different. He built different. We cut from a different cloth. But that's the uh, part on Columbus, so we're going we're gonna to rock this off and, and hit this. And um, this next holiday. Let's talk about Halloween, Night of the Living Dead. Yes, sir. Oh, I thought my time was up. <laughs> now, in order to, to get to this, I'm going to have to go a little further back in history. Now, we went back to 1310, 7-11. I'm going to have to go all the way back to 200,000 BP. Now, don't get upset because I guess you're thinking, say, this brother has talked from 7-11, and it took him all this time to get to 1492. How long is it going to take him to get from 200,000 back then? Well, I won't be able to give as much detail. I'm just going to touch on some things. But I think it's important to lay this down historical basis to demonstrate the dichotomy here that I'm talking about in reference to this night of the living dead. Now, paleoanthropologists and anthropologists and a whole bunch of other scientists uh, are not agree totally on the uh, fact that the Homo habilis, which existed some two million years ago on the mother continent, was really a human being or not. There's still some discussion over that. But the one thing we do know for certain that no uh, sane uh, anthropologist can argue with is that by 200,000 years ago, human beings, Homo sapiens sapiens, Modern human beings had developed, and it developed nowhere else but on the continent of Akebu land. Now, that is a fact that only a fool would try to dispute. That has been proven in so many ways to uh, uh, the uh, genetic system of, of uh, the bi- biology system. I'm trying to think of the, the, the term for that field, through osteology, through so many pouring over the bone, through all kind of ways. They have come to that biogenetics, that's what it is. Now, these people who lived some 200,000 years ago produced out of this woman who was to become the mother of all humanity, this queen of the universe who was at all humans, and some of her children I'm sure she don't want today, but everybody can trace 
the ancestry back to this woman. So naturally, they can trace it back to this woman, and women can't have children by themselves. They must be able to trace it back to a black man, an African. They, sometime between 90,000 and 150,000 years ago, and, and Sheikh the hundred D, I put it 150,000, began to migrate out of the mother continent to other places in the world, and they covered the globe at that time. They took with them, according to Dr. Rebecca Kahn of uh, the uh, University of Hawaii, they took with them a special advantage that nobody else on earth had at the time. They were more advanced than anyone else. And I do detail that in my book, African Woman, the Original Guardian Angel there, and go more in depth on what I'm talking about here now. They encountered another group that was existing on Earth at the time, Homo Neanderthalensis, who we're not sure whether they were actually human or what. There's a lot of argument over what they were. They were still pigmented of skin, very dark. However, those that lived in Africa had a black hair covering or dark brown, those who lived in Palestine and Asia had a sort of tannish color, and those in Europe had a reddish color after being there for some time. Now, the great, great warm Galatian came, as you know, a glaciation came about of the Ice Age there about 125,000 years ago, and after that, we find no more of them. About 35,000 years ago, they become extinct. Now, either through the recessive genes process, they become the Cro-Magnon who appears about 20,000 years ago, or they disappear, and this group known as the Nubian Grimaldi, who had traveled there in Europe about 40,000 years ago, become bleached out and the Cro-Magnon after the Ice Age. What I'm saying in essence, there was no record of any leucoderms, that's people without skin color. On the face of the earth, no, no Caucasian whatsoever before between 20 and 25,000 years ago, and we have a history of African people for at least 200,000 years. Now, why am I raising all this fuss here about that? This is the reason. The Nubian Grimaldi, when they went there into Europe and in Siberia and the other places we find their bones and their artwork, we find that they had a burial custom and system, which the later Cro-Magnon, the immediate predecessor of the Caucasian race, did not have. It was a long time before Caucasians practiced burial. They practiced uh, um, cremation because they were nomadic. They, they, they weren't sedentary people. They didn't settle on land. Africans had a penchant for land and settling on land. No matter how harsh the conditions, they were going to make that land work for them because they had an attunement with land. Now, in their burial system, the Nubian Grimaldi showed rituals. There's evidence left behind of the rituals to their ancestors. They had a love of and adoration for their departed because to the Africans, until we were brainwashed and conditioned by invaders, there was no set concept as death. You understand what I'm saying to you? There was only the cycle of life, the passing of the rites of passage. 
And that even though you left your physical body, your spirit went back to the atoms and molecules, to the cosmos, only to return sometime in future children or future generations, or maybe tomorrow at the next child coming in while you're leaving out. How many times have you looked in the face of your children and saw your mother and your grandmother and your granddaddy and so forth? That's because the African never died. So if you never died, there is no fear of death, and that's why our warriors and soldiers of the past were such fearsome warriors, because they didn't have a concept of death. You can't threaten a person with death. You can't threaten them with nothing. <laughs> To that, once again now, we see this difference of worldview. The Europeans, who came later there to be known as, because I don't have time to go into all the history of it now, it's, it's a lot. I, I cover that in African People and European Holidays of Mental Genocide, book two. There came another group of Africans into that area of Europe, known as Iberians, between 8,000 and 3,000 before the Common Era. And they came to be known as the Celti Iberians. They were Cushites who came there. They were driven, some of them further north, some of them to Wales and further west and back down into Africa by the invasion of the posterity of the Scythians who used to go to war wearing a black cape buck naked. That's his start. And the first person they slew in battle, they jumped on them, bit them, and sucked out blood. That's where the whole concept of the vampire comes from. The Greeks later followed that up by going to battle naked and shit. You can look in there in some of these pictorial books put out by Time Life and they'll show you that. And they were going to battle naked with just the cape and the, and, the, and the shield and the helmet because the first person they came across, they uh, committed homosexual acts with them as a symbol of total conquest. So my brothers... <laughs> We should find ourselves incarcerated in those concentration camps. We not Greek, we be African. And we do not allow ourselves to be degenerated to the level of a beast. So we tuck our nature under, we put our iron nature in the hands of the Creator, and we let our spirit and mind take over. Because the one doing the pounding is as bad as the one that's been over. You both faggots. <laughs> Once since the sapphire find out about that, she should never have nothing to do with you ever again in life. <laughs> oh, brothers don't like it when I talk like that when I go to them prisons, but I tell them that, man. <laughs> You up in there doing some of everything, and when you get out, you're going to come home and endanger these women. No telling what you bring in there. <laughs> if you can't act like you're supposed to act and be a man, you don't deserve no woman. <laughs> That's a blessing. Not a privilege. Blessing. Let me get off of that a minute. The man, brothers, I'm not coming up. I'm a brother. We don't get this thing set right, we ain't going to never be men. If we don't view these women the way they're supposed to be viewed and treated, we will never be men. Not ever. It is impossible to come to that unless you treat your mama right. 
And every African woman, at some time, is your mama, just like you her father in some capacity. And I'm saying that because I didn't mean to get into that, but you can read it in African Woman, the original guardian angel. It does not mean that the woman is greater than the man or the man is greater than the woman. African people rule the world side by side as equals. We didn't get caught all up into that. That's a European problem. Maybe we can deal with that in question and answer. I can't get into it now. But let me get on now. I've gotten off the subject. Let me get back now. When these uh, Scythians now began to drive the other Europeans, the Teutons and the, the uh, Jutes and the Angles and some of the other, other Germanics, drive them west, they now put pressure on the Iberians that were there, the black folks who were there. And when they took over, they also co-opted the great culture that these black folks had. These were the folks who built Stonehenge and so many other of those megaliths up there in Europe. And I didn't write that. Some English historians out of the latter half of the 19th century, General Massey and Albert Churchward and Sir Godfrey Higgins, who says he was exasperated by the fact that every time he went to study the origin of nations, he always ended up in something black. That's what he said, isn't it? In Anacalypse, book one. For a long time, you couldn't even get a copy of it. We stirred it up so bad, they figured, well, it's better to make that money. We can always try to take knowledge from them later. They don't know. This is a different time. <laughs> well, they came in, and they came to be known as Celts. So you had two types of Celts. You had the black Celts who brought the bagpipes and everything. The bagpipe and everything comes out of an African tradition. And you see it with the African uh, uh, scientific symbol of the god Beth there and the wearing of the kilts, that was brought in by African people. Well, they co-opted that culture, and they became, uh, uh, there were the Britain and the Gaulish Celts. Most of them settled in Britain and in Gaul. Now, out of them, there came a group of priests known as Druids, who took the knowledge that was left behind by the Africans, and once again, co-opted and corrupted it, and in place of ancestor reference, they came up with Shawin or Shawin's Feast Festival of the Dead, or Satan's Sabbath. What is this called? And during this festival, now note the contrast, Africans pour libations and invite their ancestors to come. Please come, be with us. Come, join us at our festivals and holidays and celebrations, we invite our ancestors, right? Europeans say, please don't come. Stay, keep you behind the ground. <laughs> because on October the 31st, which was their new year, it was believed that the earth opened up in the center, all the dead came out and started harassing everybody. <laughs> Goblins and ghosts and stuff. And... They figured the only way they could placate them was to give them gifts. And that's where the trick-or-treat came from. And when that wouldn't work, they even painted their driveways a different color so that they could throw them off. They wouldn't come back to their house no more. <laughs> they figured if they put on costumes and look like something or somebody else, they could throw them off. This is where the Halloween costume thing comes from. 
Oh, we got a different worldview we're talking about this. Oh, we got a different understanding about things. We love our departed because we know no dead. They're our ancestors. We love and adore them and invite them to be with us. They're scared to death of the dead. They got to placate the dead. Another group they were frightened of because the whole European historical experience, and I'm not being hateful or racist and reversing all that kind of foolishness. I'm telling historical truth. The whole motivation of the Europeans throughout his history has been fear. Fear of everything and everybody. Fear. How do I know that? If you don't say, open the King James Version of the Bible, and you will read, fear God and give glory to him. That is not the way it was originally written. It was honor God and give glory to him. But he put fear because fear and honor are one and the same thing to him. So working out of that fear also as a part of the symbolism of Halloween or Hallow's Eve, we find gnomes, fairies, brownies, and things. And actually, they were the Twa people who lived up in Scandinavia, these black people who knew how to, uh, uh, who were metallurgists and were doctors, knew medicine, knew so many things that the Druids and others didn't know, so they figured they were magical. So in those fairy tales, they're talking about the magical Africa many times. The dwarfs and then they were sharp people, sharp people. And they could do all those things, and they could make the weapons. They were just like, so they feared them. So that, that, that is a show there, uh, a diametric difference of worldview. You still with me? Okay, I'm trying to get off this on some of the others as quick as I can. All right. Witches. Any woman that knew something that a white man didn't know, whether she was black or white, was a witch in Europe. You don't have to take my word for it. You just go and read the history of Europe. How many women who hadn't committed any crime was burned at the stake for just eating an apple? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Them was some ignorant people, man. They couldn't teach us anything. Because you talk so bad about the white man. I'm just telling the history. And if they hadn't acted the way they acted, you wouldn't have to get down on it like that. But I mean, now, you know, it's out there. I'm not backing up off it. I'm not going to carry his burden around. He got to pay for that. I got a planet to redeem. I got time messing around with him. I brought in the religion of Osar, which they call Osiris. And he said he was going to do better when I converted him to that. And then he co-opted, co-opted that and messed it up. I'm born in the religion of, of Buddha. And he said, oh, yeah, I'll get into that and I'll be a better person. He messed that up. Exterminated as many Buddhists as he could and set up Brahminism. Brahminism. Born in the religion of Judaism under Moses. He messed that up. Brought in uh, Christianity. He sure messed that up. Brought him Islam and he fooled with that. I ain't got no more time for the cat, man. 
Anybody, I've been fighting for 20,000 years, man. I'm tired. If we've been fighting 20,000 years and we ain't been able to settle this stuff, man, we ain't going to settle it. That's it. So you go on your way and I'm going my way. That's it. I ain't got the, the, the energy. After all, you done made the lifespan so short that I ain't got the time to spend. The average African, when the Greeks, when Herodotus went into Africa, when they finally were allowed to come into Africa, when the Greeks came into Africa, they found Africans living to be the average of 120 years old. In the heyday of the Roman Empire, according to Ripley's Believe It or Not, 22 years old was the average lifespan. Anybody living to be 50 years old in Europe was automatically a god. If you were 80, you were divine. <laughs> but here's the thing, man. I'm going to get back to the witches in a minute. That's the trouble with a preacher and a historian. The two get mixed up in there somewhere. <laughs> and I, you know, that really makes me mad, though, because I'm on my 120, man. You understand what I'm saying? You had 22, and I had 120. Now I'm lucky if I make it to 65. Oh, we got to change this. We got to change this. You didn't do me no good. No good. No, you can't get nothing else from me. I was reading a book on gerontology, and the doctors are saying that you should be able to live to be 120 years old easily. Very easily. How come we're not getting that in our community and in our neighborhood? Because we don't control the means of production. We don't control the land that we live on. We don't control what comes into our community that we have to sustain ourselves with. That's why. No, I ain't giving up nothing. No more. And with my people, man, when you finish, when you gave them all the love they're supposed to have, you ain't got nothing left. So these witches now who had this, uh, women were, African women were the founders of, 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 of the sciences of the world. And they taught them to the men. Brothers, don't be upset about that. And we document that. You know, Dr. Ben taught you that. And many others taught you that. Documented that. I had to wrestle with it first myself when he first revealed it to me. But I know it's the reality. Made me a better man for it. And the black cat, who's always accompanied, shown with the witches, was a symbol of an African deity known as Heheru, the mother of the harvest. And one of her symbols was the apple and the apple tree. So that's why the two were associated together. When I say, uh, some of my students call it the Barashango dictum, because uh, one of the things that I taught in my classrooms is usually what is good for us is bad to them, and what is good to them is bad for us. The, uh, irrecon- the theory of irreconcilable opposites, that's what I call it. Everybody else got theories? I guess I can have one. I'm going to deal with just one more because I want to get off of this and get into another holiday or two if I got time here. You all right? But I can't leave here without talking about the pen and tail on the donkey. And what that means. Now, when you have your children running around there playing with blindfold on, pen and tail on the donkey, this is what it means historically. 
On Satan's Sabbath and other uh, festivals of the Druids, they selected a jagged or goat. And that goat was blessed and sanctified to represent Satan because up there at that time there was no difference between Satan and God in Europe. Making difference. Christianity hadn't come in or any of the other things. But it made a difference. And as a part of the ritual, you were blindfolded and you had to show that you were a committed devotee to Shahwin or Satan by kissing the donkey or the goat smack down in the middle uh. Don't take Jack Moose's word for it. They have wood carvings with that on it. They have it in art books of old Europe where they show that taking place. You don't want to believe Go to the library. Look some of them things up. You'll see it. And some of the encyclopedias on Halloween, they will show it to you. So other people have written books on it. When the Romans came in in 55, before the Common Era, under Julius Caesar, and in 46 under Claudius Caesar, they modified that with one of their uh, rituals, which was the kissing of the tail of the horse at the Temple of Pomona. They didn't have to go smack dab in the middle. Just the hair on the tail. But you kiss me with them. <laughs> I wonder if that's where we got that from. Saying that. <laughs> and we can say it too. Uh, and be serious. Especially sister, sister can say it for anybody ever. <laughs> So we ought to think about that before we say that to each other. <laughs> so they brought the tail of it, so now instead of the child walking up blindfold, kissing the thing, back dab in the middle of the behind, they pin the tail on it. So that's what your children are vicariously doing when that happens, brothers and sisters. Let me move on. Let me talk about misgiving for a minute, all right? Got a second on that? Why do I call it uh, Misgiving Day, a celebration of horrors? Because first of all, the good pilgrim fathers that you hear so much about were actually homeless people looking for somewhere to stay. <laughs> not that there's anything evil about that, because there's a lot of good people out there that's homeless today. But these suckers have been thrown out of Europe <laughs> and were considered to be criminals. They didn't come over here to bring the benighted heathen the, the gospel dispensation <laughs> and introduce them to Jesus. They got some money to get the ship speed well and the Mayflower and the people who put up the money said, look, when you get there, send us back first, all you can take. And whatever else you can take to pay this money back, and we can make profit off this venture. Well, Speedwell didn't make it, only Mayflower got here. 
And as Will Rogers said, white man said, the pilgrims got off the Mayflower, hit the shore, fell on their knees and thanked God, got up and fell on the Indians. <laughs> and that's exactly what they did. Let's look at here, brother. So I want you to check this out a minute, man. I know, son, you already know this. But probably most of you already know this. Yeah. Dr. Sullivan and spread the books all that way. But it did not hurt us to go over it again because every year you go over to George Washington and chop down a cherry tree, which was absent and never told a lie, which was a lie. <laughs> you can't be a general without practicing deception. Diversionary tactics is a lie. You're making a person think you're over there when you're over there. That's a lie. You can't say this man never told a lie. <laughs> I mean, generals have to lie <laughs> to win wars. He went very few. Didn't win any acting until the black folks got in there, but that's another story. And I'm not proud of that either. But check this out. These people come here now. They dock outside on the ship, the Mayflower, and 42 men of the 120-some-odd people they have aboard, 130, 42 white males make a compact to decide what is going to happen in this land. They didn't ask anybody who was living here what was going to happen. They decided it. The white male ego decided it. Not that I'm letting the female off the hook, because I ain't. She spawns them, seduces them, nurtures them. They get here. They're hungry. They're starving. They don't know what to do to survive. And who welcomes them, even after the Columbus experience? Who welcomes them? The indigenous red man. Come on in, brother. We'll feed you. We'll take care of you. He does it for a year. When that year is up, the pilgrims go back out to their ship. After building them a log cabin, they put a cannon on top of that log cabin that is directed at the Indian village. I'm just using that term for convenience. Because I don't like the term. I'm just using that for convenience right now. In 1621, they had their first Thanksgiving celebration for having survived. And Governor Bradford of the Massachusetts Colony wrote, that most of over 40, some of them had died, and scarcely five or six remained sane who was there. The rest of them were totally crazy, mad. He wrote that. That's what that's documented. It's the archives in the United States. Government's got it. By the next celebration of Thanksgiving, this is what took place. It was the red man who brought the venison and brought the turkey and all those things. You 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 see these things with the pilgrim and his stove type hat and some bells gun and the turkey smiling, walking beside him and the Indian flipping and dancing because he's so happy this white man and brought him God and Jesus. <laughs> you sat in the classroom just like I did when they would talk about the pilgrim tears running down your eyes, the Pope still. <laughs> that prolific historian and writer, Professor Joel A. Rogers here. And he says that the early American whites were cruel. Connecticut whites massacred the Pequot Indians. Infants were torn from their mother's breast and hacked to pieces. The heads of the parents were chopped off and kicked about in the streets. Maybe where the Thanksgiving Thursday football game comes from. Governor Bradford wrote, 
It was a fearful sight to see them frying in the fire and streams of blood quenching the same and terrible with distension to think thereof. But the victory seemed a sweet sacrifice and they the whites gave praise thereof to God. I don't think I need to say any more about it in this given day now. That was enough for me. They were some of the lowest, most degenerate people they sent over here to these colonies were mostly criminals. They emptied out Newgate's friend with prison, Oxford Gore, and a whole bunch of others did. The daughters of the American Revolution were whores, prostitutes, and harlots. That's what they saw in America. And you wonder why the American government, even today, in 1991, can't do right? They have a criminal element in them. Why they can't keep crime cooled out? Because they are criminals. They're probably more tolerant of crime than any other nation in the world. Because in their subconscious, they know what their history goes back to. Billy the Kid and all those criminals, Jesse James were their heroes. All criminals. Ponte de Leon and Pizarro, heroes, criminals, committing genocide against people. So that's enough about Miss Given Day. Let's go on to Xmas Man. I know I, I don't have much longer there. I don't want you to think I'm an unhappy man. I'm a happy man. I'm happy, first of all, because I'm an African. Every morning I wake up, I look in the mirror, and I say, thank you. And I mean that. When lose the draw, when black people make me mad, and they can make me so mad, I'm still happy to be an African. still my blood. The greatest experience I've ever had in my whole entire life was the African experience. I have not always had the African experience. I'm a born-again African, because I didn't always know I was an African. And since I've been born again to the Africanism, it is the most wondrous experience I've ever had. And the study of our history is just so overwhelming to me. It just takes me out. It's, this is a drop in the bucket. We haven't even begun to study this. Our scholars, as great and wonderful as they are, haven't even touched the surface, and they know that. We all know that. Look what we have to bequeath to our children now. The thing that opened up the bulls out the barn now, you can't do nothing. You can't shut the door. They're best going on to leave us alone. They're going to call down God's anger on them, and he's going to use us to demonstrate it. Now, when we get to Xmas, the merry mess. I know some of y'all really get mad with me about that one because I, I got to admit. I mean, the music and all that. I mean, that's some, it's, it, it, it's the way they portray it. It's pretty, man. I mean, it's simple. It's pretty. I like the music. And every year I used to go to see the Nutcracker Suite. In fact, I conducted the Nutcracker Suite. So I still like the music. <laughs> But when I studied it, went into a historic day and found out what it was all about, that was based in the Satanism practices, once again, of the Druids and all that. And I, I don't have time to go on that tonight, but I do discuss it in the book. There were several, several questions that came up. And one was, first of all, 
It is not the birthday of Jesus. First of all, it is not. Jesus Ben Joseph of the House of Panther. Maybe you might want to question me on that. Was a black man, and I have, we have empirical evidence to that fact. We're not saying it because we would like it to be so, because it makes us feel good to think that. It's a historical fact. But you can't get around. Even Billy Graham, when they put him on point in the 60s, said, Well, now, what color was Jesus? He said, uh, Swazi. So they stopped and said, Okay. Said, so, well, it really doesn't make any difference, no, because he was for everybody. So they went on with that. And the Swazi is the German word swat for black. That's what it was. You can't get around that. So here now they take the life of a black prophet, a liberator, because S.G.S. Brandon in his book, Jesus and the Zealots, a white theologian at Manchester University, he begins the book with the first paragraph. The only thing known for certain about Jesus of Nazareth is that he was crucified as a rebel against the Roman Empire. And Donovan Joy says everything else is theological conjecture. Now that may be the only thing that Mr. Brandon knows, but I, while I was reading Mr. Brandon, I also read Mr. Rogers. And Mr. Rogers says, moreover, the word Christ comes from the Indian word Krishna, which means the black one. And I also, having studied history, knew that he came from the tribe of Judah, which was the navy blue black tribe of the children of Israel. And the only one who could reign as a king and be received as a true prophet was he who was kissed of the sun. Because the Israelites, like the Bible says in Amos, the ninth chapter and the seventh verse, are ye not unto me as the Ethiopians and the Egyptians, O Israel? We are of the same racial stock. But we don't have time to go into detail, but in God, the Bible, and the black liberation struggle, I give documentation for that. They tell me they used that book in some seminaries around this country. There was an underground movement going on, and those young ministers said, we come out, we're going to start interjecting this to the people. And in some denominations, they have a groundswell coming up where they're telling them they got to take that Eurocentric white supremacist imagery down out of the church. pushing for that. The reason why they told me. When I met with them, they said, Brother Shocker, you're one of the pioneers here and we appreciate what you said. I didn't even know that was going on. <laughs> they said, the reason why we seem to be moving slow, brother, is because, and I know why, because some brothers stood up and would tell the people and lost their whole congregation. So they said, we're going slow and feeding them a little at a time. <laughs> Because, see, I'm crazy. It don't make me no difference. You know, if you come, I'm happy. If you don't come, I got to do it anyway till the day I die. Even if I preach the benches, I got to do it. One brother preached this, was preaching on the, the Jesus as an African and his involvement in the liberation struggle, and the next week his church was empty. <laughs> Last time I saw him, he's walking up down in front of the White House with a sign. <laughs> That's what they did to him, man. But here you have a black man who was crucified or assassinated for rising up and seeking his people uh, to establish a kingdom of heaven on earth, which is a nation, not kingdom in heaven, 
kingdom of heaven, fighting for liberation from the white woman power structure, and the Romans didn't crucify him as a new prophet. They didn't crucify him as God or the Son of God or the organizer of a new religion. What does it say? He stirred up the people. The charge was inciting to riot. That's what the charge was. Everything else came later. After the Europeans took him over, he became any and everything. Now, they fought over these different days once the Europe, because it began as the African Christian church, and the Europeans took it, Rome took it militarily. Now, after Augustine and Origen and Tertullian and others had taught them, which they shouldn't have done in the first place, we always run over there telling them something and getting, getting the dirty end of the stick. So, so now... They had a problem they had to face because everybody in the world of peoples of color, and even many of the white people in Europe, uh, the Jews and so forth, having inherited that knowledge from the Iberians who was there, celebrated the winter solstice, the time when the earth tilts back towards the sun, and we're moving back towards summertime now. And it was on December the 20th, around December the 22nd, and went on through some places December the 25th. And it was the birthday of Haru, or Haru, from which we get the word hero, the son of Oset and Asar, whom they misnomered Isis and Osiris, the birthday of Tammuz, the birthday of Mithras, just about any savior god around the world was born on this day. So they said, these people are not going to let this go, so we're going to have to have a birthday for ours. They came up with the 6th of January, the 16th of April, several days in April, uh, in August, some days in September, and they finally decided on December the 25th. When did they decide? 325 years after the fact. When everybody that knew Jesus was gone away from here. Anybody who had some, may have had some birth records, didn't have any more. And how did they get people to accept it? Not through Septimus Dominion. <laughs> holy God, Holy Jesus, Mary, Mother of God. <clears throat> By the power of the sword. Constantine the Great of the Council of Nicaea in 325. Most everything you believe about Christianity was decided then and there. It was the cross and the sword. They didn't do it by praying. Because the African bishop said, this is not true what you say. Jesus is not one with God. He was a great prophet. Then did you either accept it or we run your behind out of here? So they ran him out. And they established it by the sword there. On, I think I've dealt with that. I'm not going to deal with Santa Claus now tonight. <laughs> I'll stay over if I have to. <laughs> Don't get this as often. Just be in Africa like this. All Africa. Santa Claus, or Santa Claus, as the Dutch call him. Like how? 
Black Power, Black Power, Black Power. Get this right. Black Power. Black Power. Black Power, beautiful. What it What it do? What it do? Here we go. That's the soccer move. The better shot. Go European holiday. You'll find him on YouTube. Dr. Shaka Mukabara Shango. He has works that are available. Ashe. So, what is going on, Sister Korea? Go ahead and you take the run on this thing. Well, you know, the elder... Again, he he sets the tone for the reason why, as Africans um, that are African first, second, and third in their perspective, have to denounce our enemies' holidays, holidays, which really, as he beautifully pointed out, are nothing more than tools of African mental genocide and our continuous oppression in this white supremacy society. These holidays come from, uh, I don't know, I I hate to call them people, but they they come from uh, these creatures who have no morals, who have lied about the origin of these rituals that they want us to give our African spirit to to keep alive and to keep alive their uh, domination over over us mentally, physically, and as a collective, as we're experiencing today. And you think about, like, you know, he, he he started out with one of the greatest um, cracker beast criminals of all time, Cristobal Colon, who to this day they continue with the lie of even this monster's name, right? It's 2016. Are they calling him by his correct name, Cristobal Colon, which they have documents to show and prove that they have. You know what I'm saying? Is that not real, Brother Boy? Am I am I bugging? Uh, we wouldn't know his name was Crystal Ball Cologne if the white man didn't document. Okay. And from his own diary. You know, and I like to share um just a little bit from Dr. Clark's um African well, he calls it, you know, he uses the, the lie, Christopher Columbus, which is really Christopher Colon in the African Holocaust, slavery and the rise of European capitalism, you know, um, as picking up where the great elder Barashango had um, left off, you know, um, Dr. Clark in this book rightfully calls him Christopher Colon, you know, and then puts in parentheses the lie that they have here. And, you know, he says, you know, um, little is known about him, you know. 
he is, is supposed to have attended one of Prince Henry's schools of chart making. There he learned the basis of maritime skills. Uh, we have no evidence that he had or ever had any command. And then Michael Bradley's new, uh, Michael Bradley in the new work called The Christopher Columbus Conspiracy found so much dirt under the name of Columbus that he actually thought that there was two Columbuses because he felt no one man could be capable of so much dirt. And let's deal with a little of this dirt, you know. Um, some of this includes having seven illegitimate children. When he, you know, um, and some of these children were born at such a particular time that it's why he felt there had to be more than one uh, Cristobal Colognes at this particular time under this name. But, then, again, he's just speculating on that. Okay, um, getting back to Dr. Clark, the Portuguese ships have been coming along the coast um, of Ghana since 1438. They would take a few of our ancestors out of the country by 1442. Now, the Portuguese king, seeing Africans so well-dressed and seeing them bringing presents, assumed that they were visiting royalty and in turn gave them presents and sent them home with the ideal of, um, and sent them home. And the ideal of enslavement had not reached uh, the Portuguese Portuguese king or the African king's mom. The important thing about this trip, when they were forced, when they forced their way into Ghana, and the African king, King Esau, differed with them and told them, if we saw each other infrequently, maybe we could maintain our friendship. Too much familiarity would erode our friendship. He was beginning to see what could happen. Then in the last lines of his speech, he said, The sea is forever pushing against the land, and the land with equal obstinance is forever pushing against the sea. He understood what could happen, but those Portuguese who could not sell him the Bible story forced that gun story on him, and they forced their way in, and they built Elmina Castle, the first of the great slave forts along the coast of Ghana. If 36 of the 42 slave fortresses are in Ghana, this tells you that Ghana was the headquarters of the slave trade. And Dr. Clark goes on to say that the reason why um, he brings this up is that there is some evidence to indicate that Christopher Colon was a part of this expedition. And he says that um, in his diary, Christopher Colon says, as a man and boy, I sailed up and down the Guinea coast for 23 years. What was he doing up and down the coast of West Africa for 23 years? He was in the early Portuguese slave trade. So we got to keep that in mind. That's another ask. I'm sorry. I was just saying I shake. Disagreeing with you, Queen. Black Power, King. Black Power. 
it's an aspect that um, is left out, you know, um, and thanks to the works, again, of the elders. And it's so important that um, Brother Bourne um, showed reverence and did not try to, and the family, not trying to reinvent the will, uh, show reverence to the work that the elder, the great Barashango, laid down and other elders like Dr. Clark, which allows us to build upon that, to expound upon it. It saves us time. You know, we have the opportunity to um, acquire information at a faster rate than what the elders did because of the work that they've done for us. So I want to thank the king for um, showing that kind of respect and love and giving the elder that kind of time, even though the elder is an ancestor, it allows for the new, the younger generation to um, get this information, to um, have the pleasure of hearing uh, the words that come from the hard work that the elder put in and covering the lies and helping us to um, recapture our African mind. I you on the run, Sister Command? I'm listening. Well, all I'm going to be doing is again sharing information from the ancestors, building upon with the um, great ancestor Elder Barashango. Uh, brought forth and um, other family members who have information on this, please don't hesitate to share it because, you know, that's what we do over here. But getting back to the I, um, Go ahead, King, please. I, I really kind of kept coming in late, so I'm just, you know what I'm saying, I'm just hearing what y'all are speaking on and you know, just disagreeing with it as far as, uh, you know, I know the great, I know the great uh, ancestors did a lot of work, you know what I'm saying, as far as to expose that truth, you know what I'm saying? So, like you said, I mean, it makes our job just that much easier. Brother, uh, bro, are you, uh, are you familiar with, with uh, Barashango? Sakamusa Barashango, right? Um, I, I seen like maybe like maybe a couple of his uh lectures, but I I wouldn't just say I'm just all the way familiar with his work. I haven't got to read his books, uh, and I uh, really haven't got to just see a, like a large selection of his work. But but uh, I came in the end part of the one today, and I think I have heard that lecture before. All right, part of the one you was we were playing today. The we were playing today. Yeah, I came in on the I came in on the end part of the one you played today. I came in on like like the last maybe ten minutes of it, five or ten minutes, I guess. I don't even know if it was that long. All but right. uh, but you have seen that one. Yeah, I think I, I think I, I do believe I I uh seen that one before. All right, all right. Well, 
right. You know, so we're just going over European holidays. Holidays. We're going over European holidays, you know what I'm saying? Just okay. Me, it's be an excellent topic. I did, too, you know, with your brother. You know, I'll I be, I be zoning on Thursdays. Is that, is that a good day for me? So we're going to let this be a drive this bus. You know what I'm saying? And we're going to make sure that we be good co-pilots. Already. Black Power, listen, um, we we riding this out together, but Black Power to the family again on this. You know, um, Brother Tim, we're dealing with, you know, the elder was, uh, he started off dealing with uh, one of the the top mass murderers, um, Cracker Beast, in world and history, uh, Cristobal Colon. So, you know, dealing with, you know, just a little bit um, about this monster and um, how the wills got set in motion um, for Amayafa and also how um, this racist white society continues to lie about uh, this monster's role in history, you know, mm-hmm. the lie that he discovered, America, the new world, you know, going on, that that sets, that's the first great lie, and then, you know, he built on to the next lie, which we should go, go into a little bit, the pilgrims, you know. And the lie of Thanksgiving and who these um, cracker beasts were. But, um, you know, 1492 um, was, as he mentioned, a significant year. You know, um, that's when you, you have the cracker beasts, Isabella and Ferdinand. You know, they're whitening up Spain now. You know, they're trying to eradicate. Uh, those African, um, as far as I'm concerned, Melkite, descendants of the Melkite Coptics that are over in um, Europe for several hundreds of years. Um, At this point in time, you know, Dr. Walter Williams changes the timeline. Uh, Everyone that I have read so far um, gave our ancestors coming over there in 7-Eleven. Dr. Walter Williams and his work pushes it to 1054. I just want to throw that out there. But 1492, you have the whitening up of that of Spain, and now, you know, as uh, the elder broke down, they are now getting rid of uh, uh, the ancestors. Uh, well, I, well, they are African, but African traders, the Mel, descendants of the Melkite Coptic Egyptians, and um, the uh, crackers who are adhering to what is later to become known as Judaism. You know, these are the ones who were um, working uh, uh, with our ancestors, or really, as Dr. Clark says, our ancestors over there. Um, made the mistake of putting them in charge of the mind sciences um, 
sleeping on how prior in history they have been nothing but fiends. They have been nothing but traitorous. And, you know, it's kind of shameful that there was no recollection of this at this point in time, considering, you know, how, um, what was the bastard who flipped the script with the, um, Constantine, you know, the crackers never, ever uh, let go of treachery uh, or or, um, acts of treachery. They never let go of acts of betrayal. Um, They will always try to um, usurp your um, position if it benefits them, even after you have picked them up clean them up, educate them, fed them, and actually giving them positions of authority as these foolish Melchite Coptic, uh, descendants of the Melchite Coptic Egyptians did that were um, being called Moors. So would you would you say that that was a traitorous act? Yeah, but it... And it, them it, going to teach them uh, civilization in the first place? This is like the second time, right? This I is, hear you clearly what you say. This would be like the second time when you think about it. Uh-huh. When you think about it. Because you you have the, uh, uh, if you go by Dr. Walter Williams' work, the real point of true education prior to uh, the Mel, no, let's start with the Melchite Coptic Egyptians. When they um, helped them build, when they built the um, dynasium, and started educating them there, the Ptolemies and their children and their governors that they put in place in locations that are now called Syria, even, you know, uh, North Africa, which is known as Turkey. I'm going to call that first time that we make the foolish mistake. And then uh, in a continuation of that, you might say, no, yeah, let's call that the third time. The second time would be when the Hagia Sophia is built. Again, the descendants of Melchite copy traders. They build it. It is what is now known as Istanbul, Turkey, before it was known as Constantinople, Turkey, or Constantinople, right? And they educate them there. So this now, the Hagia Sophia is finished in 537 A.D. So now here we have another time in which we are now educating them, sharing information, and really giving them the keys again to run civilization, and they have not let go since. Mayahotep. That's why Black Power, that's my sister Camille right there, going over that excellent history right there. I like that. Black Power, sister Camille. Black Power King, I'm so glad to hear your voice. Black Power. Black Power. I just had to, um, I want to put a little comments in. Um, according to Walter Williams, um, with the whole contention with Spain. Wait a minute, but, wait a minute. Black Power. Yeah, yes, Black Power. Gentlemen, it is that time again. You are listening to the Angry Black People Show right here on Talk Shoot.
Thank you, brother uh, Bourne. Uh, it was the people of the Iberian Peninsula who asked the Byzantine uh, uh, Empire to bring civilization to Spain. I think that's what um, Walter Williams wanted to highlight with that 10, uh, what was it, 1045, 1052? Well, most scholars say it was 711. Walter Williams wanted to include the, the strong Byzantine Empire's influence. So, um, yeah, she's breaking down this history very well. And um, the whole context of what holidays are, if you go into uh, a dictionary and look up the word uh, holy day, it's a uh, declared day off for slaves. Now, for Europeans, it's a way of them promoting culture, change. What's the historical context behind the holiday? Just to come in mention the the pilgrims, the Quakers. History says these people were gun manufacturers. You see what I'm saying? But they'll give you the illusion through semantics that these were settlers. You see what I'm saying? So, just going over this history very, very, very thorough. I like this. My power. Power. Come here. Hold on one second. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna do something real quick. All right, sir. All right. And I think that's the uh, the cracker. Uh, that's uh, the cracker. Uh, what's his name? He always. Every time I don't know what's going on, man. He stay listening to our show. <laughs> That's not a cracker. That's the nigga pretending to be black. I mean, pretending to be white. We busted him before he come in any once in a while, dumb as fuck. But fuck him. Okay. Okay, well, that's even worse. Huh? All right. Go, uh, go ahead. That's all you do Excuse me. Yeah, you know, the cracker beasts always have to um, pop up and show their ass out or self-hating, you know, Africans, for lack of a better word. But I think um, one of the things that uh, the elder brought out, which we have to be aware, not only was Cristobal Colon um, a Jew, he was a Sephardic Jew. Uh-huh. You know, um, and in this region, most of them were Sephardic Jews. The same uh, Jews, I'm sorry, Black Power. Now, he just said, Ashe. He just was a grand. Well, you know, I'm always waiting for the brother. Nobody could give, put it in um, historical context for the timeline, quite like Brother Minkara does as well as you, Brother Bourne. So um, I always look forward to that because I constantly learn. I say, and um, big up to um, Baba Clark, who, who really, really, really took the time and really studied the first historical reference for Christopher Colomb, coming by way of a man, what's his name, Henry the Navigator? A map maker who never, never went to sea. You see what I'm saying? 
And when you put all these things into, you know, in the context, and then you add in the Europeans only been reading and writing for 621 years. You see what I'm saying? Now we now we can see what's really going on. Why the emphasis being placed on Christopher Columbus? He is the symbol for the new world, a new literate white world who has aspirations of expansion in the West. You see what I'm saying? What's the proof of this? What's their first written manuscript? The Bible. You see what I'm saying? To some extent, you can say this is their first book of literacy. This is the same book they used to teach their people. So as we get to getting more into this history, we get to breaking down and seeing the influence. You see what I'm saying? And the, um, the, uh, the events that's taking place, the people behind the events, and how they're being emulated in the present time. You see what I'm saying? But that's why you, we continue to have Columbus Day and so forth. You see what I'm saying? And, and, and like Amos Wilson said, if, the, if, if, if Christopher Columbus didn't discover the America, some other European would have. We've got to get out of this identity, this individual identity thing. He represents a people. You see what I'm saying? When they came to the Americas, it was them against the native people here. And one, one culture went against another, and one got wiped out. You see what I'm saying? This European will put man after man after man in front of you and still run the same game. So these are things we need to keep in, in, in mind and, and really make sure our youth don't blindly support holidays that celebrate our oppression or celebrate the beginning of our oppression via the slave trade. You can't mention Christopher Columbus without mentioning the slave trade. So these are some historical things I think we need to keep in mind. And I have this come here, took the time out to really focus on these topics uh, with the elder Bashar. Uh, 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 I can never pronounce his name. Bershango, you see what I'm saying? And how we need to really be putting the microscope over history and, and put into in mind that European history and mythology are one and the same. Hey. Black power. Mm. And, you know, uh, and keeping in mind just the reason for them creating all of these holidays and things of this nature is because they, you know, you they are people who grew up in savagery. You know what I'm saying? So any anything that they could uh, deem celebratory, man, they found a way to go ahead and add that on. Because a lot of these things that we now deem as holidays here in America are just customs and practices that have been, you know, they, these things that they've been doing for the last thousand years. Just put a new name on it. Shame. And see, when, that one, then when you mentioned, <clears throat> when you mentioned Christopher Columbus, See, this is where uh, I was watching earlier today the old debate that Seti had with Samir Bay. Remember Samir Bay on the couch? Young Seti mm-hmm. before he went down off the lean bay? And they like to, they like to say that the, the Moors were the navigators of the sea. But first, ask the question then, if y'all were the navigators of the sea, how was y'all letting all these, pa- these ships pass through the Atlantic's uh, uh, ocean? You see what I'm saying? And... You know, that means y'all was either partaking in it or y'all knew about it. And the proof of that is, God damn it, uh, Christopher Columbus Navigator, who was a so-called Moor. You see what I'm saying? 
Europeans just basically learned longitude and latitude again. They thought the world was flat because they didn't know longitude and latitude. They didn't know geography. You see what I'm saying? Who showed them this 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 this, this knowledge? And once they showed them, they just couldn't do the shit on their own, so they had to jump in the boats with them. You see what I'm saying? So this this is where it all starts off. Now another thing these more like to bring up is their relationship with Hannibal. And Dr. Williams went into that. He feels that the Hannibal may have been a mythology because who was doing the writing in one forty six BC. This is a Roman this is an aspect of Roman history right here that we we going through. You see what I'm saying? So some things to keep in mind is how the mythology can just sprinkle in. You know, I'm, I'm gonna give you a, a a a grain of truth, and I'm gonna surround it with a whole lot of bullshit. Well, you can't decipher the facts from the reality. You see what I'm saying? Ashe, for real. Because you know, I gotta ask. At that time, you know, well, how was who was documenting this story of Hannibal? What language was they writing in? Right. And then when you look up Numibia and uh, uh, Carthage, you're going to find Carthage in the Bible. You see what I'm saying? And then when you look back, okay, after the fall of Hannibal, the Romans supposedly came and destroyed Carthage. Destroyed Carthage and put salt in in their fields, they salt. They salted the the, the 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 ground, so they couldn't even produce no uh no vegetation no more. That's utterly destroying something. And then a couple hundred years later, when the Arabs come around, they build Carthage back up. You see what I'm saying? What's really going on? Did, you know, these are some questions one has to ask. And while we asking these questions, goddamn it, my sister Camille said, who is keeping? Who is keeping references, or who, who, who's keeping up with the writing of the times right now? You see what I'm saying? Ashe. And, and we can look the same uh, as Dr. Clark said, those traders putting the Jews in control of the mind sciences um, when they were uh, in Spain, or what is now known as Spain. Um, they are the same ones who are in control of the mind sciences today. Haven't let it go. But no break. That's a good point, Sister Camille. Because when we talk about the mind sciences in 2016, goddamn it, first thing that comes to my mind here is psychology and child development. And who is the poster boy for that? Sigmund Freud, a Jew, okay. right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Ashe. So we talking about the same people, and we and we talking about the same people who this is their entry into uh human history. I was listen. I was watching two brothers talk the other day, and they were saying um, but one brother was like, why does you know, what does Israel have on America? Why why is it that politically, financially, and socially, Israel could do no harm? And before, you know, why America and England, because America's a, a stepchild of England, so is Australia, 
Why why they never you know why they never talk down on because they the ones that civilize them and taught them how to write. See people be dissecting the ancestors' work but don't put it in the context. When Gutenberg came out with the printing press, he was a Jew. He wasn't looking to advocate literacy in England at this time or Europe at this time in history. He was trying to make some money. You see what I'm saying? And the best hustle was when you could educate those, you know, when you could educate, when you could edu- educate the trick into falling for the trick. You see what I'm saying? And can we prove that influence? Yes. It was the Jews who facilitated the Martin Luther spit from the Catholic Church. Through what? Controlling literacy, controlling writing. Who taught who taught who taught uh, Martin Luther how to write? <laughs> huh? When he posted his uh 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 his contentions with the church. You see what I'm saying? So now if you put in the context, it's gonna all go back to another argument. If the European been only writing for six hundred and twenty one years. You mean to tell me within the first hundred and fifty years? Let's go. Let's give him credit. Let's say two hundred years. Let's say from fifteen fifty to seventeen fifty. Two hundred years. Saint Napoleon comes along and he cracks the metal nature. You see what I'm saying? How is that? Let's put another thing in the context. Let's look at his background. Fuck the metal nature. This nigga's supposed to have uh, uh, was fluent in Sanskrit. And other Babylonian, so-called Babylonian languages. How is that when he just learned how to read 200 years ago? His institution that taught him how to read probably was 150 years ago. See the point I'm making? That's a short time to, of development to crack a master code. How are you doing that? Who is teaching you? I say. I say. Our ancestors took... Tens of thousands of years to perfect that that, that 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 symbolistic writing, let alone the language. We ain't never heard the language, but we're going to deal with the, the written symbols. And you mean to tell me a cracker who came out the cave 6,000 years ago who only been reading for 100 years going to crack that code? And you comfortable with the translation as if it's 100% complete? That's that bullshit right there, man. You're you going to tell me anything. You see what I'm saying? Black power. <laughs> But see, like Seti say, you ni- these niggas don't know history, so they-, they can't keep sharing chronology. They can't go from one, two, three, four, all the way to ten. They don't go to one. No, they're going to start off at five. They go to two. They come back to one. You see what I'm saying? Because they don't know history. They don't know people, places, times, events, and literature. You see what I'm saying? Seti going to chew a hole in these niggas' ass. You feel me? <laughs> Cause said he gonna put the he gonna put the time he gonna put the chronology with the people. You see what I'm saying? Mainly on on Champollion. You see what I'm saying? But that's another history, families. But getting back to the original, you know, holy days. You know, these are some things we need to keep in mind. Let's say. That overview don't just help people keep their mind, keep a, a mind of the mind state of the people that they're dealing with. Why they, you know, why you would have a Halloween? Why you would need a Christ mask?
economics. Yeah. Well, mm-hmm. as the soccer moves to Barry said economics. Everything they do is on economic scale. They was going to get that thing for economics. So they need them shuffles. Ashe. That's right. Make all the money that's going to be spent. Mm hmm. Halloween is, is almost as large as Christmas. Some parts of the country might be larger. Mm hmm. People spend as much money. A lot of times, but I don't know. In my neighborhood, Christmas, I mean, Halloween, went down some. What about where y'all at? Yep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Definitely. I think now what's even more crazy is Halloween is celebrated more about the parents than the goddamn kids. <laughs> I mean, I go. I, I mean, it's like out here where I'm at. Halloween come, you ain't seeing no knock knock trick or treat shit. You might see a little bit, but you ain't gonna see that. You're, most most parents take their kids to like somewhere like all of church or some shit. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. But you see the adults but that you got their costumes on. You see the parents, you know, Halloween party costume up. You know what I'm saying? Huh? Maybe, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. It just seems like it's almost where going bigger is going bigger to the adults. Then anything, yeah. It is something for those folks. My whole girl trying to tell me it's some type of black people holiday. She ain't told me the name of it yet. Okay, you have to tell me this day. These things be going to too much spooks and gals, and they be all about it. Um, that's another topic right there. What's going on? You know, what's the whole. <laughs> Niggas just trying to find his reason. Oh, the white man does that. He does the whole crimp copied on us. Niggas pull that out the back. I know one of them. The That's the whole. You see what I'm saying? When we talk about these uh, these people who practice occultist type practices, and they show you that they like to dress up, right? Put on robes and whatnot. You feel me? It's really about putting masks on. Each mask is a personality. You see what I'm saying? I said this a while back. I'm going to say it again. Right? When we get on the spiritual level, right, this is my observation. When it comes to people of African descent, outside forces can influence us, but they can never fully possess us. You see what I'm saying? Whereas Europeans, they, their whole culture is centered around being possessed by a certain spirit. I call them empty vessels. You see what I'm saying? Because we have souls. Those outside folks can fuck with us, but they can never really possess all. You, you understand the point I'm making? 
Some people mention demons. Oh, they, they, you know, being possessed. Europeans are possessed people. You see what I'm saying? Because they have no soul. They Frankenstein. In fact, anybody seen that new Frankenstein that came about three, four years ago? And the premise for that was that people out, this is all biblical, but we're just going to take it for, you know, what it is. The devil's coming back. But the devil needs a, a, a body. So the church covers up the creation of, of Frankenstein. Because in order for him to come in the flesh, he has to possess a body that is physical with no soul. And Frankenstein has no soul. You see what I'm saying? Now look at the psychology that I'm going to that. Why would a man produce a movie about creating a symbiotic or, or, or a synthetic human being? You see what I'm saying? It's alive. Whether it be, you know, the merger movie was in the 19, was early 1900s, was in black and white, but they keep re reiterating, reiterating, reiterating. Solomon Vandy, born on a month, you see what I'm saying? All this around Halloween culture, you see what I'm saying? Uh, Solomon Grundy. <laughs> Solomon Grundy, uh, I remember that. Born on a Monday. Christian on Tuesday, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> He's a ghoul, <girl>, right? <laughs> so my, yeah. my, you know, in my, my my opinion, you know, the whole concept behind Halloween is Europeans embracing uh, 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 a culture of, of wanting to be possessed by outside forces. You see what I'm saying? And I yeah. cannot that. I agree with that because the nigga has to. He's he's getting some help. And he's getting some help that's not on this level. You see what I'm saying? Not in this realm. You know. You know this, this yes, how sir. I'm seeing, this is how I'm seeing, right? I'm looking at their history. I see that they are in love with death. This is like anything that they could equate to death. They in love with that. They they built a culture around death. This, this is how you could still. This is how you could create a church made out of bones or the bones and skulls of people. You know what I'm saying? They, this, is, this is where you can get flagellation from. This is where you can have a society that can have the dead bodies just laid out in the street. You know what I'm saying? This is a place where, you, you know, these, this is their mindset. This, this, is, this is the type of people that they are from living in their environment for so long around pestilence and death for thousands of years that they just become a deaf culture. Their culture is just, uh, is, is that it, the, the, what they call the macabre. What that, what that, what that dude said in that movie, remember the Chronicles of Reddit, the second one? Where they came out the sky and, if you, and, and their spaceship had a trendy head like Jesus, like, like, like Christians. And he told Reddit, he said, a Reddit was the Fyrian. And he said, in our culture, you keep what you kill. <laughs> mhm. Mhm. They fascinated with the, with the, the physical part of the death. They have no knowledge of the spiritual, but they don't have. A, they're not spiritual people. They have no soul. You see what I'm saying? So they're more or less caught up in the physical part of it, and an individual embodying that. Right when when you look at these European serial killers, a lot of them keep certain body parts. Yeah, they, that's what I'm saying. That's what they do. That's what they do. 
eat your ass, man. White people Jeff, Dom, Dom, Dom Marcel, when he was in his living room, he was making a mantle of death. Like, but you were saying, brother, born made out of bones and, 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 and human body parts. And, and his premise was that he owned those people for eternity. See what I'm saying? Yeah, I, you know. Well, I'm telling you, the last couple of days, I've been having a crash course on a lot of their psychology, a crash course. And, and that, that really, um, and just a couple, just reading a little bit over their history, just the, just the basic living and how they live, just, um, you know, just dealing with Halloween alone, talking about death and whatever, anything that go with death. They used to have people who walked around, and that's what they the job was. You know, they just had the death dealers. They just had people who, who well, that's what they did. Yo, listen, man, they would have years of just death. You know what I'm saying? These are people who went through the what they call the black death for three years, just uh, half of the population of the motherfucking Europe died, 20 million people. Boom. That's it, brother. Say, family. I got to. Uh, I mean, cut the wisdom off. I got to get back in this plantation, man. I love doing with y'all, man. Um, I'm gonna be on uh, Tuesday. Until then, man. You know what I'm saying? I'm gonna, I'm gonna sneak in on Slaughterhouse Saturday for about 35 minutes or something like that. But I want to say I love y'all, man. Shout out to all my feet on the ground family members in California. Uh, Raheem Rule, General Best, Sister Maat. You know what I'm saying? My family down there in Texas. Y'all know who y'all is. Family in South Carolina. Y'all know who y'all is. Connecticut, New York, I know y'all is. Love y'all, Black Power, Ohio, one. One power. All right, Mary, you too, King. Black Power. Always good, brother. Come through, Dr. Jewel. I say. I say. Love it. Word. Got a serious uh, mind and a serious memory. Dropped it. Mm-hmm. So, guys, so the Camille, wherever you want to drop it to. Well, you know, know. Keep, 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 keep kicking it how we doing it. I think it's going beautiful. You know, um, Brother Minkarab did bring up something to that. It's crucial. You can see how... You have the component uh, forces um, coming about at the same time. You know, in this 1400 time period, we have the advent of uh, the printing press, the Bible, right? We have uh, Christopher Colon, uh, and, and, and before him, uh, his uh, other cracker beasts that were going up and down um, the coast of West Africa in particular. We have Isabella Ferdinand uh, coming into power and really bringing um, to the forefront boldly white supremacy using their lack of melanin as uh, galvanizing uh, point to help 
um, unseat those Africans and those cracker beasts that were, you know, um, mingling and um, copulating uh, together, you know what I'm saying, Um, Mm -hmm. out of Europe to take the power away from them, to take the knowledge, uh, particularly maritime knowledge. And uh, that really set into motion um, their uh, last third rise, as Dr. Clark um, uh, drops, and um, our our, um, oppression, Mm -hmm. mass genocide. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I say. Uh, I think I think one other thing that happens around that time you're talking about that's uh you know was being it caused much detriment to the people was uh, uh the image of the white Jesus you know what I'm saying being painted I think what was that 1480 something or something like that 1482. Brother Tim? Yeah, Queen, you hear me? Yeah. Yeah. Did I get that? Was that date right? I'm not sure about that date. For for what? The white Jesus? Yeah. I think it was 1482. When it was painted by, uh, was that Michelangelo? Michelangelo? Oh. Y'all checking that date? Yeah, he wasn't that far from that time period, though. Yeah, because, yeah, you you on point, King. His time period is 1475 to 1564. Okay. I don't know. I just look at all of that. You know what I'm saying? all of that coming at the same, around the same time, you know, and I just, I don't know, I look at it and say, you know, I mean, shit, I, I, all that shit from that time period, we should we should be saying fuck that bullshit, you know what I'm saying? From that little, from that little, about maybe 20-year period right there, you know, it just, uh, like you say, it was just blatant, blatant 
white supremacy, you know what I'm saying? Just blatant. Mm-hmm. Putting it putting it in the face. You get Queen Isabella saying, you know, you get to enslave any other uh in uh whatever she called it, you know. <laughs> she you know, giving the people the right to, you know, whatever whatever crime you commit why you out on your voyage will be, you know, will be thrown out. When you come home, will still be thrown out. All that unfuckery, you know what I'm saying? Letting them unleash that, letting them unleash that horror on our on our people. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. I say, and it, it shows their blatant disrespect for us, that they would continue to um, hold this monster up. They don't have no decency. I mean, it's not like there's no historical records. You know, shit from his own handwriting, shit from the other no-good cracker who wrote the Pope to put us, you know, to pull our people uh, into this uh, brutality um, the Bishop uh, Bartholomew de la Casa, that cracker beast motherfucker, you got his right in to avoid the monster Christopher Cologne did, you know, uh, to the inhabitants that they found um, in the Caribbean, Cuba, you know, Santo Domingo, um, and so on and so forth. And what they then did to our ancestors. And again, somebody that's supposed to be uh, a custodian of Christianity is writing to have us kidnapped and brought into horrific conditions by monsters that he's, reason why he's writing because of the brutality that he sees uh, his fellow cracker beasts doing. You know what I'm saying? So he, he they damn near wiped out all the inhabitants, you know, and what now is called Haiti and so on and so forth. So now you want to save a couple of hundred or fifty and have us in their place. Now, for him to have that thought or has to suggest that we were already being kidnapped, as Dr. Clark Work points out, prior to Christopher Colon. not at the numbers that it grew to. And something else that I wanted to share that Brother Minkara mentioned, if it wasn't Christopher Colon, it would have been somebody else because they kept sending out people, you know, uh, Barashango, yeah. the elder mentioned Cortez, right? And so you have in 1497, in the month of May, John Cobo, an Italian, by the way, that name Cobo sounds like a Jew to me, uh, a sea captain was employed in the English um, service and sailed from Bristol, England, on a ship named Matthew. By the way, you know I have to come out of the bullshit Bible. Uh, with a crew of 18 and letters of patent from Henry the Seventh, the father of Henry the Eighth, granting him to claim for England any island or mainland he might find 
and authorized him to colonize them. This is the first English expedition to America. The result of this voyage occasions England's claim to North America mainland and eventually leads to the founding of the English colonies in America. In June 14, John Copo cites a part of North America, a North American coast, Nova Scotia, and sells along it for some distance from Nova Scotia to the tip of Newfoundland, assuming it was a part of Asia. Show them not um, having, as Brother Minkara said, any ideal of uh, land, uh, the concept of longitude and latitude. And from 1497 to 1498, the same cracker beast, John Cabot, uh, still seeking a new route to Asia via the North Atlantic, continued to explore the North American coast. From Lab- Labrador, Canada, and possibly far south as Delaware. And this is before... Amerigo Vespucian, right? 1501. So they kept on. Not over and over and over. Ashe. Because it will be those same, it will be those under those same explorers that, uh, I mean, I call them explorers, but what they call a exploration period or whatever, you know, it, it will be those same ones that, uh, you know, hit the other places with such, you know what I'm saying, like savagery. Other places like, uh, you know, Haiti, South America, like uh, Brazil and stuff. You know what I'm saying? Mm Mm-hmm. Because, uh, oh, no, 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 that's Portuguese. Hold on. That's French. Okay, my bad. I'll try to think of who was that 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 uh Haiti was fighting, but they was fighting the French. It wasn't the same people. Black power. Black power. I was listening in. I was listening in. I got time. So I take me some notes. Oh, I, I really have no time on this show. I don't know if I'm about to drop a jewel. I'm up here trying to, you know, loud it up. <laughs> Yeah, a holiday show gonna have to have more than one part because it's so much. Yeah, it's a lot. You know what I mean? And then we took a couple different routes. We have to 
You know, we definitely got to uh, clean up Halloween, Christmas, Thanks, uh, thanks taking. Mm-hmm, because I like when he broke down about the Druids. Um, you know, people may think that he's um, stretching it, but he's not. Anybody that has the signs and symbols of pre-mortal man will see uh, the best icon all over. Okay. Uh, the ancient Twelve people. And then when you look at, even when you look at works by the crack and be dealing with them, they say the Druids were priests and physicians curing by magnetism and uh, charging amulets with um, their fluidic influence. Now, we know, for example, by the Dejer, that our ancestors had already freaked the science of magnetism, already had freaked the science of electrolytes, you know, in fluid, okay, osmosis, the osmotic nature of fluids. So we know this by how they were able to light the Dejer using, uh, again, electrolytes, Salt, water, salt and and vinegar, and copper and zinc to produce a a charge which which would produce an electric charge which would allow these jizz to give off light. So that right there is a key for me, just, just that piece. And dealing with, um, how this comes how he, he shows through their uh, bastardization of the information that our ancestors left, understanding that we've been here for millions of years, and it would make natural sense to me that we would also have footsteps there. Um, where was I going with this? I'm oh, sorry, I just lost my thought real quick on this. But he was showing how the from their perversion of our ancestors' uh, relationship with uh, principles in nature, they come with this perversion known as Halloween. Now, the interesting thing, if you are to go and Google this, you're not going to find the Druid influence initially. It will be put under the word Celtic. Now, Celtic, you have to understand, comes from this same region that the Druids are supposed to come from, the British Isles. Mm. Mm. I say. I say. Mm. I didn't even know that. Yeah, and they're supposed to be messing with our ancestors' so-called mysteries. This is from this is what the cracker bees say. It 
And um, in terms of the vampire shit, that is something else that is real to them. They have history on that, which, um, you know, we we broke down before. And, um, you know, we can share at a later date. But, again, there's so much that he broke down because all of these things um, have a relationship. When you look at, right, you know what I'm saying? Look at the rise of Christopher Cologne. You see the tradition. So when you think of Hollywood, we think of we think of Hollywood. Hollywood. That's the first day you kind of really are introduced to is Halloween is is vampires. You know what I'm saying? Uh, you know the teeth and all that shit. You know what I'm saying? It's really kind of what when you we talk about Halloween, you think of you know Jason Freddy Krueger some shit like that, but. Most times, then you're thinking the vampires and shit. So you know that shit, you know, you know it's linked. You know what I'm saying? It go hand in hand. But then we will see why the link is like that when we understand, the, the like Brother Boyle said earlier, when you understand where these crackers coming from, where the, where the conditions was they was coming up out of. You know? Mm-hmm. And you think about that. Wouldn't you hate the day? I say. If you're living amongst it, it's all around you, you know, and as the elder broke down in, in the lecture, they use the remnants of what the ancestors left there to ward off the spirits of their ancestors where we are embracing the spirit of our ancestors. They are afraid. And we see that today through their movies. Their movies of the spirit world are horrors. Horror Uh films. They are horror films, exactly. Exactly. And possession. And I also think that I also think whenever we see them talk about the vampires, I think they are, that's what they doing, acknowledging. That's exactly what they doing is acknowledging their ancestors. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> you know, I mean, when you think that their ancestors was, we, we, we say they live in the caves, but that's some true shit. It's just, it's the truth. My nigga, like, you can go back to the cave and see these motherfucking city. My nigga is in the cave. My nigga, that means they never seen the motherfucking sun. How did they? How, how would they look at that shit? Like the sun would fuck them up. Well, they skin had got so paper thin, living in the dark so long that it would. Like you know, a long time these motherfuckers are savages like that, man. These motherfuckers had diseases where you know you catch a disease like syphilis, never get no cure, and your whole face looks ate up. You understand? Know it was wild. <laughs> you said whole face ate up. Yeah. All they're seeing is the bone and shit. Motherfucker skin them just ate away, deteriorate.
And they live like that. So, you know, that's what I'm saying. We come up with all these ghouls and goblins, man. That's them. Maggots falling all out their face. They have a wound. Yep. You know, maggots falling out of And then, Brother Boy, you talked about, like, you talked about, like, the conditions that life had turned, that had turned into life for the motherfuckers. How, like, the whole city of the motherfuckers be walking around, you know what I'm saying, stinking all the fucking time. They sick from all these different shit. The shit looking like a real-life zombie movie type shit. You know what I'm yeah. saying? And you talking Night about some shit that... You was talking Night about some shit that... Night of the Living Dead. Night of the Living Dead. I ain't hear my bad, fam. No, no, I was just saying Night of the Living Dead, straight thriller. You right? Yeah, you know what I'm saying? And, and goddamn, you know, you know people people got these diseases and shit. You know, some of them diseases had the motherfuckers bleeding out their eyes and all kind of crazy shit. You know what I'm saying? Like, mm-hmm. nigga, this is their reality they speaking on. Shit, and Halloween goes right into the shit. Like, this shit just makes so much sense, my nigga. Just sure. that just makes so much sense. That's their true history. That's their shit. This is where they come up with black licorice, the nastiest tasting shit in the world. What you say that shit was, brother boy? Oatmeal and blood and some shit. Oh, pig. Pig blood, oatmeal, and fat. Yeah. And they also got blood sausages, too. They are blood sausages. They eat all that shit. Now, this is what they This is why caviar is still a a dish that they like. Salty-ass fish and eat. I was looking at this dude on motherfucking one of these. I was watching ESPN or something, and, and, and one of the uh, analysts, white boys, man, this motherfucker look like he an old ass, decrepit looking cracker. You know what I'm saying? Look like he gonna fall over, right? You know what I'm saying? And, and I was looking at his teeth, man, and his teeth was just like. Nigga, like, how the fuck you get teeth like that? Nigga, what the fuck you been eating on, nigga? This shit look like some goddamn canine teeth or something, nigga. Like, this shit was sharp, nigga, and to a point type shit. You know what I'm saying? I'm just thinking to myself, boy, ain't no telling what this motherfucking cracker was putting in this motherfucking mouth. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> like, this nigga been, like, he been sharpening his swords with his shit or something, like. God damn, bro. Your shit out of there, nigga. Hey, but, you know, it's like Brother Bourne said, you know, they don't have no soul, and they really believe in the vampire shit. They believed in the whole, all yeah. the shit. Like he mentioned the gnomes, uh, the sifts, which, by the way, you get syphilis, you know, that, that comes from out of that, a prefix of the word. But, you know, you have some cracker back in the day named um, Paracelsus who says that when you're talking about a vampire, he goes on, differing wildly from the elementals. The elementals would be like the gnomes and a Sith. Um, And also the incubus and the succubus is the vampire. 
which is defined by him as the astral body of a person, either living or dead, usually the latter state. The vampire seeks to prolong existence upon the physical plane by robbing the living of their vital energies and misappropriating such energies to its own end. In his doctor, anti-spirituality, Paracelsus writes, thus of these mag- magnet, excuse me, yeah, mag- I can't say it. Magnet beings. M-A-L-I-G-N-A-N-T. Can't pronounce it. Malignant. Thank you. Uh, a, a healthy and pure person cannot become obsessed by them because such larvae can only act upon men if the latter make room for them in their minds. A healthy mind is a castle that cannot be invaded without the will of its master. But if they are allowed to enter, they excite the passions of men and women. They create cravings in them. They produce bad thoughts which act injuriously upon the brain. They sharpen the animal intellect and suffocate the moral sense. Evil spirits obsess only those being only those human beings in whom the animal nature is predominating. Minds that are illuminating by the spirit of truth cannot be possessed. Only those who are habitually guided by their own lower impulses may become subjected to their influences. Talking about the vampire. And just sort of feeling, I'm reading out of uh, Secret Teachers of All Ages, The Crack of Beast, Manly P. Hall. Mm-hmm. You know, the more, the deeper you get in there, the more you understand exactly what we're dealing with. That's why the good thing is to go over the European history because then we start losing the fantasy about what we're dealing with this human being we think we're playing with. We're not. We're dealing with a different animal. Mm-hmm. Then, I mean, then you go to the original. Who was the original vampire? Who, who was the original vampire? We think of Vlad. Vlad, Vlad. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. With the, with the, you know what I'm saying? Shit. Showing niggas up. I shan't. I want to be like Vlad, man. Even Vlad TV want to be like Vlad. <laughs> they, that, they named his ass after Vlad. God damn. You happy to be named after somebody that hates motherfuckers? <laughs> God damn, nigga. Ruthless, nigga.
don't know, man. I mean, I just, I think, I think now with just some other stuff, man, our people, man, have to turn some of these, some of these, uh, you know, some of these holidays, man. They just turn them into such like party type shit, man. That. Man, a lot of motherfuckers don't see no wrong in that shit. You know what I'm saying? Like, nigga. Nigga. I ain't celebrating the day, nigga. I'm just going to the party. <laughs> what the fuck? The fuck is that? Yeah. Yeah, yeah that's a... You're killing me with that. You're killing me with that, man. Like I said, we don't want to find no blood holiday is is the same as Halloween that black people got. Mm -hmm. And then it it almost leaves you as a person that, you know, you knowing about it is tough. You know what I'm saying? Man, y'all tripping, my nigga. You know what I'm saying? It leaves you as an outcast. This goddamn now, a nigga up in... Thanksgiving, telling the family, goddamn man, y'all know this is bullshit. And family just sitting there talking, man, I'm just trying to eat my nigga. Fuck you talking about my nigga. I don't know nothing about none of them motherfuckers. Yeah, this is one of the few times I'm going to get to come together, see my family and eat, nigga. You feel me? I know with my family, shit, we get, we... As a as a group, I mean, as a big family, cause we all spread out so far. As a as a group, the only two we probably get only getting two or three times a year, you know, to uh to get together, and them is on them holidays. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And see, now I'm coming down. Now I'm coming down, and then truth be told, I'm I'm goddamn me. I'm not finna sit there and argue with my people about that shit all day. I told you ass once, I'm not finna sit here and keep on arguing about that whole ass shit. You feel me? But I'll take this motherfucking plate. <laughs> and that's wrong in the midst, but hey, I mean, this is being real shit. I'm gonna take this motherfucking plate. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> and we all do it. And I, and I wish it, and, and I mean, inside, I really wish that it was more of a push to be supportive of us not goddamn me supporting that shit at all. You know what I'm saying? I wish that it was more of a push of us. So at least when we decide to goddamn say, I ain't fucking with that shit no more, it's a group that's there. You know what I'm saying? You you, you, you all right. You know what I'm saying? But shit, right now it ain't. You feel me? Right now, niggas don't give a damn about none of that other shit. The niggas still don't. You can explain all that shit to them. It's just like Christianity. You can explain all that shit to them. At the end of the day, niggas say, nigga, all right, whatever, my nigga. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. (laughs) Shit. I think it shows the power of conditioning. I think it shows the power of participating in rituals. Goddamn right. That's what it is. And that participating in rituals, why... You are reluctant to hear opposite. Mm-hmm. Okay, how are we in a so-called "quote unquote" Christian society, and one of the biggest holidays is that of the opposite of 
what Christianity is supposed to represent. Wickedness, you know, witch, evil, ghosts, goblins, foul shit, okay? Putting on a costume is participating in the ritual. We don't want to see it for what it is. Not damn right. Same way that Catholic bishop put on his costume to participate in that ritual, that black preacher and his role, minister, uh-huh. bishop. Same way putting on that costume on, on Hollow Eve's day. And, again, the time in which you're participating in it is quite significant to the Cracker Beast because it was the midway point between um, – the autumn equinox, and the winter solstice. Yeah. Now, we don't know. I'm a, In fact, I'm going to try to make it my business to see what are the constellations that are up at this point in time on October 31st and November the 1st because this was their uh, celebration day, All Saints Day and Halloween, coming out of the Druids Festival. But it's a ritual. And it's a ritual created by our enemies. So it has to benefit them and not benefit me off the strength of who how it came about. And the contradiction that they are willing to have on display. Again, you're supposed to be the Christian society and all this and all of that and one of your biggest holidays. Okay, is wickedness, foulness, mm-hmm. evil spirits. So we we I'm gonna have to get to the point where I have to uh, get the information down to to the extent where. I am argumentative around my loved ones, if it comes to that. I I have to understand that just like with those that hold on to the religion of perversion, it's conditioning, it's a ritual, going through it myself, i got to understand what that is, how hard it is, and I can't stop because the propaganda doesn't stop. They're not going to stop on uh, celebrating Halloween, October 31st, to give the African mind a break, a time to possibly think, you know, coming to itself. They they don't stop. When do they stop? Mm. <laughs> Have you missed one since you've been on the planet? No. Nah, I mean, no. Nah. Yeah, no. Nah. So we can't stop. I can't stop. But I think that I think the big thing is that we have to, I mean, we have to also understand, man, I mean, you know, it's the big thing behind it is is that it's supported by, by laws and shit, just like with everything else with white supremacy, you know what I'm saying? Especially the bigger holidays like Christmas and Thanksgiving, you those days come with days off. You know what I'm saying? Those days come with bonuses and shit if you do work. You know what I'm saying? Halloween don't. 
No, no, no. Look, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not speaking what you're saying. But this, is what I'm speaking to, right, is like, what do I, what do I tell the family when, nigga, this is one of only, one of the only two pounds that they can all get off work, and and we can all meet up. You see what I'm saying? Now, even though it's on a holiday, you see what I'm saying? Nah, I mean, we know our people lay like, celebrating that shit to say this is the day we celebrate Christmas comes. I mean, not 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 consciously. They're not celebrating it as, you know, this the day of the pilgrims coming and this is the day of, you see what I'm saying? Like, consciously, it's just the day to get together and goddamn eat. You see what I'm saying? But... I mean, the reality of the situation is you you celebrating you celebrating the the goddamn enslavement of your people. You know what I'm saying? The reality of it is that. But what do you tell a family when they put you in a situation where then only the then the only time you can really see your family is on these times? You see what I'm saying? Well, you tell them just that. This is what you just said, you know, um, and it can be a day of mourning, uh, 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 a day of reflection, a day of giving appreciation. Like you could flip the spirit on it, a day of giving appreciation that you could be together when in this very land here there was a time on this very day that you couldn't be. Because, see, we didn't I get shake. Thanksgiving off. I say. I think with me that's just the biggest thing that I had the biggest problem I have is is the way that I it, you know what I'm saying? Maybe it's the way I come at it or something. I don't know. That's why I'm asking my family, like, you know what I'm saying? Because this is something that's my reality. You see what I'm saying? I don't have no family around me like that. You feel me? Oh, okay. So so you see, if I want to go see Amy's or something like this, or, or uncles or something like this, you see what I'm saying? I mean, that's a long ass fucking trip. You feel me? <laughs> Just be real with it, shit. So, so you know, you're thinking of it as like, damn, you know. And then I know it's the same situation for them, but I wanna, I wanna. Tell them what's the truth of the of the day, though. You see what I'm saying? And the more I try to tell them, it sounds like, damn, well, fam, should we not even? Should we not? You said we shouldn't even fucking get together on this day, my nigga. You know what I'm saying? When I don't want it to come off like that. True. I'm. I'm I just wanted to tell them what's the info behind the date. You know, and I mean. You know, I, I don't know. You know, I, I don't know. Shit. Shit crazy. Shit crazy. They got it so much in the web, bro. They got, they got it set yeah. up. Yeah, we, they we got it so much in the web that, that we want to really talk about, too. That conversation of how do we really deal with these holidays because family want to get together and this be the time that they can get off of this 
you know, this is the only time to be able to get off and shit like yeah, that. Just gotta, just, I mean, we really got to have that conversation. We, we, we got know. to share real, our real experiences. Because it's a celebration. So you can't have, see, it's about celebratory energy. Oh, every one of these days is calculated, man. The white man don't do shit just to be doing shit. Okay, no. You know what I'm saying? So he's dropping these days, he's dropping these days on times and points in the calendar where he's looking at the cycles of the moon, the sun, the planets, everything. He does it. And you just don't want to give energy to a certain type of bullshit. You know what I'm saying? So I understand that's where family be coming from with the celebratory actions. We're dealing with this stuff. You don't want really want to be celebrating so much. Mm-hmm. Um, first, I want to thank the family for tolerating my voice. I'm battling the cold. Um, but I think, um, you know, Brother Tim, one of the things is I try to do because I'm I'm asking my family members who are not where I'm at and I'm not where they at to respect the fact that I'm going to be me and I'm going to hold on to the African principles that I feel are sound and I'm not going to be moved from right Mm -hmm. now at the same time they are where they at okay so like you had mentioned the first one of the things I tried to do is show how us coming together is controlled by the enemy, as you just broke down. That and and, and see them controlling when we come together without us identifying that is how it will cause division. It will cause somebody like yourself who was African first, second, and third to be put at odds because you're going to get hit. What's wrong with us coming together on this day as family? This the one day we can come together, boom, boom, bang, without looking at the fact that the reason why this is the one day we can come together is because the enemy has set it up to be so. Mm-hmm. But he only getting you to come together in order for you to spend your money. Okay, some, on top of that. Going to be some shuffles going to get spent. Going to be some shuffles. Going to be some big dollars spent. Going to be some money spent. On every on all of these holidays that he has designated for us to come together, thinking that we doing something good is family time. Black power, brother, born on that word. It's always about the shackle. Listen, you know, family, you know, it's always about the shackle. We got uh, 15 minutes into two. Uh, we're gonna shut it down and we're gonna move to. Uh, we're gonna move. We're gonna bring this topic back next thing to Thursday. Though. We're going to bring this topic back. We're going to advertise hard, and we're really going to get into the question of what we, what are we to do. We're going to get into the hell of days, but then that question, uh, how, how, do we, how do we get around this thing and not be uh, anti-family while still being 100% African? You know? Hey. How, is that, how is that going to work for us? You know? Um, but, that, that, you know, I think that's something that needs to be done. Do y'all got anything y'all want to end out with before we close this show down for the night and, and go ahead and get ready for the uh, next Thursday and Slaughterhouse Saturday be coming up? Uh, we're going to be destroying something. There's a lot of bullshit going on, but I think we might have to turn Slaughterhouse Saturday to Tuesday. Tuesday might be a Slaughterhouse Saturday. Yeah, 
Mm. My brother Mikarov come in. You know, um, things need to be discussed. But we can put a switch. But now, besides that, go ahead, family. I got some. Go ahead, drop, drop what you want to drop, and then we can go ahead and close up. I ain't had too much to say, brother boy, man. You know, uh, so keep the keep the ancestors spirit of the ancestors alive. You know what I'm saying? Keep keep goddamn me fighting in whatever way you do. You know what I'm saying? That's all I want to tell you to the family, man. Keep keep mashing however you do on these motherfuckers. You know what I'm saying? And see, we 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 get one step closer to where we trying to get. Like power. Like power. Like power. Uh, I second that, a BB48 on that. And, um, you know, again, I thank the family for having this program. Uh, It's important um, that we see the trap that we've been placed in and come up with solutions as part two is going to um, deal with or how to counter it. You know, um, it's all a part of... uh, I'll be before Hodier. Every every battle, you know, we got to fight this shit on every battle. And this is one of them. This is um, part of the battle of the mind. So uh, I'm just so thankful that uh, Brother Bourne navigated this and that the family uh, had this type of dialogue going on um, tonight. Death to this racist cracker beast society, African first, second, and third, black power. Praise that Turner. Glory to glory, long live the spirit of Dr. Khaled Abdul Muhammad. Praise Harriet Tubman. Glory to I be well, and long live the spirit of Sister Fanny Lou Harris. BB Bohodiac.